Yeah, here. We're fine. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Get in the Garage, your source for music and entertainment. Is I'm, it? I don't know. I'm here with Luke. What's up, Luke? Hi. How you doing, man? Welcome to another episode. Uh, today, we figured we'd do, uh, we just kind of like, uh, you know, kind of uh, free ball it a little bit, you know? Just kind of freestyle, that's what I mean. I don't like how you <laughs> use that at all. No, I'm sorry. I meant to say freestyle. We're going to freestyle today anyway. Uh <laughs> Of, I think on the on the top of the show though, something we do kind of want to focus on just a touch is uh, R.I.P. Peter Green, man. Very sad, very very sad. Rest in peace. Rest in peace to Greeny. Um, for those of you who don't know, Peter Green is the founding member of Fleetwood Mac, but he had uh, similar kind of beginnings in the way of like say Eric Clapton. Uh, most famously, um, the follow-up album to the Beano album was A Hard Road with John Mayle and the Blues Breakers, and this is the one that features Peter Green. This is where he makes his debut. John McVie is still in the band, even though Clapton leaves, and then they end up getting a new drummer, and I don't even... Ain- Ainsley Dunbar, I think? Look how he spells his last... Or his first name. It's I don't even weird. know where you're looking. Where are you looking? Right down here. Ainsley Dunbar. Oh, yeah. I huh? think is his name. But anyway... Actually, a fun story of that record is me and Mike were record shopping one time, and um, my, I had found that record because me and Mike were super into like John Mayo Blues Breakers, like yeah. we were collecting all the, that stuff at the time. And I had found uh, Mike had found the Stooges Funhouse album, yeah, like a it, late seventies, early eighties pressing, and I was like, ah, oh, shit, because I really wanted it. It's one of my favorite records, and uh, I found the. Uh, Blues Breakers album Hard Road with uh, Peter Green and me and Mike looked at each other. We're like, "Yeah, let's trade." <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> Mike's Mike. If you know me and Mike, I'm a Stooges, more of a Stooges guy, and Mike's the Blues Breakers guy. Yeah, so it, it absolutely, fit. absolutely. We did that another time too when we were at the record store. Yeah, with a band. I had like a band bootleg. I don't know or what I traded you. You no, I got the band bootleg. Uh, I got it. I have the band bootleg, and I it ended up being shit. Right? It was like recorded terrible. Like not shit in the. I mean, know, I was glad band, I took it. Good, yeah, I'm glad I went that way with the band yeah, bootleg. Quality yeah, quality wise, it wasn't the greatest. The bootleg was called uh, "What, what the You hell Want, Mama." I can't remember. I think I gave you. It might have been the actually. It might have actually been the male album with Mick Taylor. So, um, oh, maybe that might have been what I traded you. It sounds maybe. somewhat familiar. I feel like we did another trade where I got a Jethro Tull bootleg. Oh no! I think I just gave you that. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I don't have time for this folk that, folk that, blues that was exactly rock what stuff. That was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, we're just kind of rolling the show here. Rest, rest in peace, yeah. Mick Fleetwood. And uh, if you haven't ever checked out, oh, what did I say? Mick you said Fleetwood. Mick Fleetwood. Oh my God, no, not Mick Fleetwood. With uh, Peter Green, I'm so sorry. If yeah. you haven't checked out uh, the first like incarnation of Fleetwood Mac, or you know that version of uh, yeah. John Mayo, I highly recommend it. But, like Peter Green is a great, great, great guitar player, great Les Paul player, and uh, you know, let's go out to Mike over here for a guitar minute. <laughs> guitar Minute with Mike. Yeah, Guitar Mike's Minute guitar with Mike. Minute. So let's talk about, you know, because Mike was, you know, that's one of Mike's favorite guitar players. Yeah, uh, definitely. I know, and, uh, you know, a lot of people do know the story about his guitar and his playing, but, like, why don't you fill us in? Tell us what's going on there. Yeah, jo- I mean, um, 
Peter Green for me was like he was because I was so obsessed with Clapton originally. Uh, I kind of overlooked Peter Green. I, you know, I, 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 on my radar at the time. I'd say he's a bit harder to find, though. That's the reason. It's like, I mean, yeah. nobody really even knows he was in Fleetwood Mac. So well, like, that's and, the whole thing. And that's the thing, right? When you think of Fleetwood Mac, you think of Stevie Nicks, Christine McVie. You oh, think listen, of Lindsey no, Buckingham. No, that is not what I think of. No, okay. You, well, know, we, no, you know what I think of when I eat Fleetwood Mac? What, like Bob Welsh era? No, I, I think of scarves and dragons and oh, incense yeah. and pew- <laughs> pewter statues. Yeah, right, 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 right. Crystal balls yes. and the like. Yeah, but no, but that's I'm, the thing. I'm, is, I'm joking, but when I do think of Fleetwood Mac, I mean, I think everybody else does. They go to the the Buckingham Knicks era, right? Right, and not that that doesn't have its own place. And I, I love. I mean, my wife's crazy Stevie Nicks fan, you know, and I like it, man. I'm not saying that I don't like it for what it is in the era that I was in, absolutely. But I mean, my heart is really just in the blues. So anything I think, more geared towards that, especially like John Mayer, like listen. Here's the thing, Mike. I'm not. I don't care much for John Mayall himself, but he was just a master at putting together badass bands. Yeah, like you know what I mean? Because like you know, there's a couple of tracks on here where it's like the typical John Mayall thing, where he's like huffing and puffing on a harp, and he's like, he does that whole kind of goofy thing. And I'm, I mean, I'm into it. You know what I mean? But if I'm gonna listen to that, I'm gonna listen to Sonny Boy Williamson. I'm not gonna listen to fucking John Mayall. You know what I mean? And that's no disrespect. I don't, I don't really like his singing so either. But he's a, he's a good organ player. Like, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. But I don't way. care so much for him. But when he we're talking John Mayall, yeah, badass guitar players all day with John Mayall's bands, like yeah. pretty much, you know, throughout. But and he would give him that space. Michael, we've already we've already gone so far off track where you forgot to give him your your guitar. I know. I'm minute. sorry. I go on tangents. So You'll tell me, me tell me about his guitar and his guitar playing and why it's so unique. Why it's different. Yeah. Right. So I mean, okay. No, you know, Clapton was the fucking guy, right? And he was the guy that was right behind excuse me for swearing by the way i'm sorry no you have a mouth of a sailor i know i'm so bad i I apologize but uh so i mean okay eric clapton is a tough act to follow and it was something crazy where it was like they recorded the beano album and like three months later clapton leaves and um john males discovers peter green um and initially, Peter Green was playing like a Clapton, say, right? Just because that was that was just the influence. It was, the, I mean, there's, you know, it's the Clapton playing a Les Paul through the Blues Breaker amp. That's the iconic sound, and that's what people were trying to emulate, right? And then, Cla- and then uh, Hendrix comes over, and the, the tones change. But Peter Green, really, what I find in his playing that's really interesting is that when I listen to Eric Clapton... I hear a lot of Chicago and I hear some Mississippi. Mm-hmm. But when I listen to Peter Green, I hear a little Mississippi, a little Chicago, but there's a little New Orleans thrown in there. Okay. So he, you know what I mean? Like he'll 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 give you some kind of like kind of like some spooky like ooh like maybe like you know what i mean like that scary kind of like not to like, make the like, connection but you black magic woman kind of idea right well yeah no absolutely and then, like, even though that was famously made by santana you know it was made famous by santana i should so say he's putting some of the you know. spookier tones in yeah there, and, which and would be explored later by like tony aomi and you know right yeah and there's and I, and in my opinion i see a direct kind of correlation between that because it's it's the same you know they're coming from like very similar schools i mean think about it man they're all just so much is happening in england at the time so no matter what people are going to take little things that they like you know uh and i just i found that peter green um kind of changed a little bit off course from it 
in that nice way where he gives you some of that New Orleans flavor and, instead of just being more like like by the book right blues player you know okay and, um, and so, his guitar is very yeah famous. so you know that's that's like the element of his style but like you know let's hear the let's hear the folklore of the guitar because yeah, it's, it's so, a pretty cool story so the guitar is is what's interest what's really interesting about the guitar is it was a 1959 gibson les paul right so what we're talking gold, about here gold is top, right uh no no it was like oh, okay a, it was what's what's really it weird is gold about colored it, though right right okay. so it's kind of like it's not a burst it's just a flamed maple top it's almost with, like yellowy. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, it's kind of like a. Um, I don't know what they what the the similar like the current Les Paul burst like a honey burst or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But definitely different, very much different to say the Jimmy Page Les Paul or it's, it's, the. It's very much its own color kind of thing. Yeah, and it sets it apart, and it doesn't have a pit guard on it. You yep. know, which that was kind of unique to like to see a Les Paul without a pit guard. Famous people later you'd see without a pit guard is maybe like Joe Perry or like Slash. You'd see a, a an unpit oh, guarded. Yeah. An unpickarded Les Paul, um, but so the whole thing is there's this kind of like mythos around his guitar and the way that. So what made his guitar sound unique was that his neck pickup on his guitar—that's the one that's closest to the neck on th- on the inside of the body—was uh, the magnets were reverse r- wound, right? So basically, if you think about what a pickup is, it's a series of magnets, and there's copper wrapped around the series. That's kind of like layman's terms, right? Um, so uh, his were wound reversed, which which caused a different like sort of like polarity in the magnets. And what ended up happening as a result was is if he played in, with his pickup selector in the middle position, which used both of the pickups, it gave his guitar a much more strat kind of tone, which those are the real those are like those are the real big two guitar tones that we're talking about. So like going into the seventies is a, the snappy a, strat. Right. With a solid solid body. With like a yeah, Les like Paul. a mahogany body Les Paul that's got a, a flame maple top on it. Where in contrast, uh Stratocaster would be like an alder body or an ash body. Thin, yeah, right, and it's thinner, it's whatever. But the Les Paul was that was a, it's a hunk, you know, chunky. So, yeah, there's the thing is, is that when Gibson was manufacturing these guitars in like '58 and '59, the thing was was that they don't. It's not the way that it is now, where everything is made precision. This that they just use whatever the hell they had lying around. Yeah, man. so sometimes you get so, some some like uh, anomalies. Some some right. some of those yes. weird guitars would get through. Yeah, because they had a Gibson guitar tech actually look at the guitar itself. And although Peter Green claims that he had taken the pickup out and he accidentally put it in upside down which that did happen right right they're saying that that happened that still doesn't explain why the pickup itself is reverse wound other than it left the factory like that which is it's just that's just a great fascinating and story. that to me that's why this is why man these guitars are mortgage guitars man they're like three hundred thousand dollar guitars and it's the same way that a stradivarius is so unique because every strad is named Right, like the violins, every shot of various violins are named and they're like loaned out and they're all like cataloged and stuff like that. Likewise, the fifty-eight, fifty-nine, and sixty Les Pauls. Okay, yeah, there are some that somebody bought it for somebody because they were three hundred dollars in like nineteen sixty-five right. and just threw it underneath a bed. And oh my god, it just turns out that 
it's twenty it's twenty twenty and grandma had it's like, like a, thirty thousand dollars. Grandma had a nineteen fifty eight Gibson Les Paul underneath the you know the guest room bed. You know, I've been watching a lot of Antiques Roadshow. And yeah, there it, there's a lot. There's some that stuff happens, man. Really real. cool guitars come on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of the story behind Peter Green's Les Paul. And after Peter Green owned it, it then went to Gary Moore, who was famously, I mean, he was a famous uh, just solo guitar player, but famously played in Thin Lizzy. And then a few years back, it was bought for $2 million by Kirk Hammett of Metallica. Boo. Boo. Whatever. Also, I would just like to clear the air, okay? Whatever. Listen, I'm a Metallica fan, and I'm also just saying, man, fuck Metallica. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I love, they, they have a very special place in my heart, but part of me is like, nah, whatever. Anyway, we got off track. So, he leaves... Um, he leaves John Mayall. John Mayall. And, and basically starts, takes the rhythm section as well. Right, uh, Mick Fleetwood would only would only appear on one single released in '67, two live albums live in 1967 that were released way later, like I think in the 1980s or something, and then he played on one track from a much later John Mayall record that came out. I want to say in like 2012 or something like that. Okay, just like a tribute, so he got like everybody right, that used right. to be in the band. So he was he was in the band, but never yeah. really really featured like on a Jack, a, on an, kind of like Jack Bruce, right? Exactly, right. So that so he had all these crazy lineup changes. So he ends up pulling yeah, uh, uh, Blues the, Breaker along yeah, the rhythm section kind of breaks McVie. off. Yeah, John McVie and then Mick Fleetwood, and then it's. Um, Peter Green, and then the I can't remember for the life of me the other guitar player's name, which I feel bad about because he he that dude could rip too, man. And I look I was trying to look it up last night. Um, if yeah. not, I have it upstairs. I have the uh, the Pious Bird of Good Fortune, which is a oh, pretty okay. great uh, Fleetwood Mac record. It has like a that I think it's like a a nun holding um an oh, al- an albatross on the right. front. Right. That's that's the album. See and and then when I listen to the John Mayall album, right? John Mayall gives him two songs. Right. Okay. So you have the same way which is like a nice uh, a nice kind of like blues-esque kind of song with a little bit of that New Orleans kind of thing. And then you listen to the Supernatural and that one is very much atmospheric in a way that and it's o- it's it's only an instrumental would, track. Would you say the He's predecessor playing. to Albatross? To, yes, absolutely. Which, yeah, like, yeah. if you haven't heard the, the song Albatross by Fleetwood Mac, um, it's I think it might be even the debut single of Fleetwood uh, Mac. I'm not sure though. That album, um, I don't think that's the debut. I, I'm. It might be. No, the debut album is that like alleyway. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm saying the, like, the, the first single might be Albatross. Oh, 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 yeah, maybe. Um, because Pius Bird of Good Fortune is, I believe, a collection of um singles. Yeah. Yeah, it collected onto an LP. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, yeah. So, um, yeah, that would be, like, I think that's, like, one of the first things that they do, and y- it is atmospheric. Um, it, yeah. It's, I really love that track. It's pretty beautiful. Uh, our yeah, friend, but... Uh, our friend Jeff, I believe, does not like it. I think he's voiced that opinion to me before. Oh, really? Not into the Albatross. Oh, man. I'm into it. I think it's, it's the a, largest, I think it's a cool uh, track. It's the largest bird. It's a pretty big bird. Oh, Jeremy Spencer was the other guitar player. Yes, okay. Yep, that sounds right. There were different there were other I think rhythm guitar players, but on the album that I listened to Mr. Wonderful, that's the one that I have. Um that's the that's the other guitar player on there and he plays predominantly like all the slide stuff that you hear on this album is Oh, him. that's pretty cool. Yeah, which is you, pretty cool. You also have like uh don't you have that Fleetwood Mac uh bootleg album? 
the Peter isn't it live nineteen seventy with Peter Green? It's nineteen yeah, nineteen seventy six. Peter Green's it, Fleetwood Mac. Wait, is it live in Boston? Is it that? Is I it the Boston rem- Tea I can't Party? Remember. I lo- I pulled it out the other day and I was gonna listen to it and then I didn't get to it and I was like, shit, I should have yeah, pulled that one out. You are swearing like a sailor today. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Over here, gosh. Everybody, parental advisor. Sorry, we'll have to label this one explicit. Oh All of them are gosh. explicit. Come on, man. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it just doesn't bug me, but it, uh, I, just, I just like busting your chops. But um, yeah. yeah. So like, uh, even swear jar. We gotta get a swear jar. Oh my, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. yeah, like that Fleetwood Mac, that bootleg record. I remember uh, we played it on the we, me and Mike used to have a radio show back in the day. We played that on the radio yep. one time. That was pretty fun. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I've definitely listened to. Like, I know I've listened to like a, the bootlegish. I think it's kind of released now. Uh, mm-hmm. Boston Tea Party show with Peter Green. Oh, okay. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, what? Yeah. So like, what uh, that album right there, which is called Fleetwood Mac, it has Mick Fleetwood on it. That was um, pretty, that one's pretty great. This is yeah. No, it's I, Mr. Wonderful. Oh, Mr. Wonderful. That's what it is. I I recommend all those albums. They're like they're there's so, not a bad one in the bunch, man. No, there's not with, a bad. Even if you get like a Peter comp, Green. even if you get yeah anything that's from that era, regardless oh, if it's a comp or like a best of or like a whatever, something, it's gonna be good. Yeah, we highly recommend it. It's just you know we're kind of shouting about when we really love him as a guitar player, yeah, especially man, when me and Mike absolutely. were going through our blues explosion. Yeah, you know. well, yeah, especially because it was just kind of like, you, so you know. You, you hear, like, folklore, like, oh, did you know Fleetwood Mac used to be, like, a blues band? You're like, what? And then you're yeah, like, Yeah, you're like, get out of here. Yeah, and, and it's a, such a good blues band at that. That's what's, you know. I have a pretty cool bootleg that I bought in Salem, Massachusetts. Remember when we were up there mm-hmm. that time? Yep. Uh, I forget the name of that record store, but there was a there's a boss, boss record store up in Salem, Massachusetts. And uh, it's pretty much like the only one in the center of town up there. Yeah, huge. Um, I don't know if you're up there. Check it out, especially right now. All the record stores need help. But besides all that, um, I bought a Fleetwood Mac bootleg, and it was called. I it's called like an. I it had like an Alice in the Wonderland uh, like cover on it. Mm. So, um, and it was like her through like the Looking Glass kind of thing, mm-hmm. and uh, one half of it is like the live period like a live show right before peter green leaves and then the uh back half is the band like live right after he leaves oh really yeah so it's very it's a very cool like what like uh what happened you're like history lesson you're like this is this is like the band and then this is like the band like maybe like six months later without him and and i can't remember who actually replaced him was it bob welsh from the jump uh because I know he was in the band for a while. He I, took the I helm think, of like the um, lead guitar player when yeah. it was still Christine McVie before. I don't know. Like I have a post stuff. on my Instagram. If someone wants to go dig in my Instagram about like two years ago, it's probably in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, but yeah, and Peter Green. I mean he, the the band. Yeah, and then the band goes in like a weird limbo after too, which is like interesting. You got like yeah. a lot of like. Uh, I was like kind of, I would say definitely so so ish kind of Fleetwood Mac records. Yeah, um, I don't some cool some cool songs, different uh, albums that you you said like Bob yeah, Wells like, period. Yeah, Bear Trees. There's another one where they're like the gorillas eating the. Oh banana. my god, you got there's... penguins, Bear Trees. Uh, what else is there? There's so many strange ones. Dude, the Fleetwood Mac at my house is ridiculous. Oh yeah, your Fleetwood the Mac section, section on, like, like in my thick. record shelf is like it's a whopper, man. Because I've because I listen to all the old stuff. And then my wife listens to all the new stuff. So oh, there's that one too where like it has the guy on it. I don't remember. The oh name. yeah, per, uh, Perfect Strangers. That's no, not it. No, is that's it? later. I think. That's later. Yeah, it's really straight. Yeah. Yeah, that one's anyway. Yeah, the point is, is that Peter Green. We're, now we're just rambling about uh, yeah, Fleetwood Mac. Know. But, but uh, Peter anyway. Green, man, sadly, you know, he 
he passed away. He passed away. Yeah, and he and he had he kind of had a you know he he kind of oh, had a uh, similar thing kind of like as um, what's that what's that record with the cheat on it? I'm so sorry. The End Game. You ever listen to that one? No, I got a promo. No. Co- I got a promo copy of that. Yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah, Is it? I think it's like 71, 72, 72 oh. somewhere around there. I'll have to check it. Yeah. With the cheetah on it. Yeah, it's got like a cheetah on the front cover, man. It's called like the End Game. About. No, I don't That's know that pretty, one. You don't know that one? No. It's like his first like solo album. Oh, Peter Green's. Yeah. Bro. Oh, I thought you meant um, a Fleetwood Mac album. That's why I was like, wait, what? No. I also don't know that Peter. Oh Green my album. gosh. <laughs> I'm just saying, but I'm uh, just you're, saying. You're like, that. oh no, I know, and then you're like, no, nah, I don't. No, know. I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, uh, that one's cool. I dig that one. Yeah, uh, he kind of like lost his marbles, you know. He, the poor guy. <laughs> That's kind of why he fell off the wagon. Uh, lots copious amounts of LSD kind of drove him to go beyond. And then he lived in like a psychiatric unit for a while. He? he had like weird electric shock therapy. He was oh. on all kinds of crazy like tranquilizers and stuff. That sounds very tragic. He had a mental break, yeah. And then he was uh, d- uh, diagnosed schizophrenic. It was a oh, whole Brian Wilson whole, style. Huh? That's, that's what. Yeah, I was just gonna say he kind of did a Brian Wilson type thing wow. where he he kind of like lost his marbles. Man, it's I don't know. It's sad. It's sad because he was such a talent, man. That shit sucks. But. Here's Mike with your uh with your daily downer. Moment, yeah, guys. I know. Jeez, oh, celebrate. I'm over here like, let's celebrate the music. And Mike's like, let's talk about everything horrible that happened. Listen, we ha- it's life. All right. Good Lord. Mike, but anyway. uh, you know, get in the garage. You're yin and yang. You have Mike over there who's uh a downer, I guess. <sighs> and uh I'm over here, I'll lift you guys back up. Yeah, thank you, Luke. Yeah, I'll be I'll be the sunshine of your shoulder, John Denver over here. Yeah, you're like the yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, we just thought the rest of the podcast we would just you know yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about <laughs> what, what we're gonna do, to. Mike. What did you call? What <laughs> free free balling? Free falling. Mike's any any free association. Yeah, I want to talk about the band. Okay. Oh my God, we <laughs> the two bands we're about to back to back here after I go. We're gonna be <laughs> very different <laughs> bands. <laughs> All right, I want to talk about um the Q uh, the Q. The Q, NRBQ. Oh, I love NRBQ. Okay, NRBQ is one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, NRBQ kind of forms in like Louisville, Kentucky, kind of forms in like Florida, and then kind of forms in Connecticut. Um, you know, me and Mike are from Connecticut. But how I found out about NRBQ is I used to listen to this band called uh, She and Him uh, with M. Ward, um, who has some great records out that you should listen to. And, um, Zoe Deschanel from that uh, show, you know, like New Girl. Uh, she's an actress. She's in a bunch of movies. Uh, she's also in that movie about that fake rock band. Which wait, what? Um, she's in the not b- almost famous. Uh, is that the one where they like have like Tiny Dancer in it that made that song famous? Yeah, that's almost famous. Where yeah, it's the she's kid in the posing, beginning. He's the kid posing yeah, to, she's to be a Rolling Stone reporter. Yeah. Yeah. She's the sister. She gives him the, the Tommy album. Anyway. Oh, is she? Yeah. I didn't know she's that. She's like, listen to this in the dark. Anyway. Yeah. Um, back to the queue. Back to the queue. Um, her her band, she and him, they do like a um, cool like girl group throwback kind of deal. Mm. Um, I really like it. Um, but anyway, they covered on one of their albums, they covered the song Riding in My Car. Um, and where I legally downloaded the album <laughs> in parentheses, it said NRBQ. And I was just so fat. I was like, what does that mean? Yeah. So I Googled it. And then I was like, what? NRBQ is a band? What? That's a cover song? And then I just kind of started diving in. Um, NRBQ, I don't know if I was ready at first, but I was so curious. So 
what I mean, I don't know even what to say about this band. If I'm gonna say anything about this band, is if you have um, if you like bands that stick to musical genres, <laughs> consistency. Uh, if you like bands that take themselves seriously, this band's probably not for you. Um, yeah, right, um, right. But also, I would like to point out that you're also gonna miss out on some of the best written songs of your life, such as. Who I put mean, the garlic in the glue. I mean, okay, so you got the the oh, the funny, right? So right. The funny that's would from be, Scraps. Yeah. Um, got the bowling shoes on the cover. Yeah, nineteen seventy two and RBQ Scraps. Um, yeah, the Karma Sutra label. Yeah, that's I love that album, man. Yeah, that's the only one I own, but I love it. Yeah. So basically, what you have is like is a band that will do a song like "Who Put the Garlic in the Glue," which is like it's so funny, it's like jokey. Um, on one of their albums, they do the theme from Bonanza. But it's like all out of tune, like <laughs> like like that. Yeah, um, that is on. Actually, I have it with me right here. That one's on all hopped up. Um, but anyway, NRBQ is a, like is a band that would really just play almost anything. Um, yeah. they swing wicked hard, which is like one of the things that you can kind of say about their sound is yeah. uh, the drums are usually like swinging and almost like a rockabilly old school um, big band jazz way. Yeah. Um, and this band would play jazz. They'd play rock and roll. They'd play rockabilly. They'd play like, uh, you know, new wavy songs when they were in that period. Yeah. Um, they started in the mid 60s. They were assigned to Columbia uh, Records, Karma Sutra Records, Mer- Mercury Records, Rounder Records, and Virgin Records, um, to name just a few. Yeah. Um, this band is like one of the most independent acts that's ever existed in music, and um, they wrote some really beautiful songs too. Like I said, they were you know wrote funny stuff, but um, like if I would recommend an album, it would be NRBQ at Yankee Stadium. Um, this band really wanted to be the biggest band in the world, and like uh, at Yankee Stadium would imply that they sold out Yankee Stadium, and this is their live album. <laughs> but um, if you look on the cover, they're sitting uh, right near the dugout, and they're the only ones in the stadium. So they're just saying that they went to Yankee Stadium. stadium. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it. Um, and that's the joke, right? Because they, uh, at one point, they know that they're 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 like they're trying really hard to break it, but they 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 can't. You know, they're, they're yeah. really this is like. And this album uh, at Yankee Stadium was their only album on Mercury. Um, it, it didn't do super well, but um, it has some great, great, great music on it. Um, Green Lights on there, um, where you know singer Terry Adams, piano player, is is playing like that. Um, was that the clav? The he's playing like guitar riffs on the clav. And it's oh my god, it thumps so hard. Yeah. Um, it's a great car song too. Like if you're into that kind of vibe, um, and then like I'm I'm gonna say like two songs that are like Beatlesy is um uh, I love her, she loves me, um Joey Sapinato, uh, I believe that's his name. Yeah, the bass player. I don't know the pronunciation of the last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would write like these like beautiful like Beatlesy songs, um, and Terry Adams would too at times. Uh, and they were just like so nice. And then you get um, on here to riding my car. Al Anderson from Connecticut represent um, the guitar player, and that's just like a, another class. You know, it's like a classic car song too. But it's right. just like uh, the, these songs are like so simple. You hear them, you're like, but you're like, shit, they're so good. And that, that you know, and then yep. there's like jazz on here. That's neat. That's nice. I, I this is one I listened to today actually. NRBQ at Yankee Stadium. Um, you know, not for the faint of heart, guys. But I mean, seek it out because you're gonna miss out some really good music if you're not into the queue. Yeah, 
I no. mean, I'm sorry, I just went on a rant, but like Michael, what do you, what because like I, yeah, I, I mean, listen, my my experience with NRBQ is is very much like I'm not into NRBQ the way that Luke is in, into NRBQ, but I I'll say from somebody who Luke was like, hey man, check out the Q, check out the Q, you know, and me kind of being like, eh, all right, you know, whatever, like for real. I, I don't know. I like everything that I've heard. Right. You know what I'm saying? They're just one of those bands in that way where they're just consistently just a good band. Like, they don't... And they, they make, have some they fun. They make me and, laugh so hard. Um, well, yeah. And I the, also would highly recommend their live album, uh, God Bless Us All. Um, which is, I think it's live at Lupo's um, in Providence, which is, like, super cool for me, too, because, you know, it, yeah. it's kind of like local spots, local heroes. Like, NRBQ would play in Willimantic all the time, which is down the road from yeah. me and Mike. Oh, yeah, yeah like back in the day and i just kind of found out their story and like that live album is one of the best live albums i've ever heard yeah like it just for in in terms of how fun it sounds to be at the concert yeah you know what i mean it, it's insane like i've never heard a, a, a live album where the audience sings the band off stage like <laughs> right insane right, right. to me what when i see when i look at nrbq i look at them as being like you know, they have that vibe of like the hardest working band yeah. in New England. You know, like where and it's just still, like they're still a band. Yeah. They're still yeah. going. Yeah. Like you could still go see NRBQ today and they still rock. Yeah. You go see Terry Adams. Yeah, what's know. his name? He's got that badass telecaster. Oh, uh the, well this the uh that's like the classic era lineup of Al Anderson. He uh the oh, guitar okay. player plays that like Paisley Strat. <sighs> um if you're also looking in such a uh Telly. Yes. Oh Telly, that's nine he plays that Paisley Telly. It's it's beautiful. It's pink. Uh, it's so cool. I love Paisley. I'm a sucker for Paisley, though. I Some people hate the Paisley guitar thing. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And I and I feel people who hate it, but I love it. Also, too, like, uh, not for nothing, but um, the bass player, uh, Joey Saffinato, is in um, the Chuck Berry movie, Hail, 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 with, in the band with uh, Keith Richards. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's okay. who Keith Richards picked to play bass with Chuck Berry because he could emulate the style so well. Like, I, I don't think anybody ever played, like, a uh, bouncier sounding bass on the electric bass. He's, yeah. Huh? This band is amazing, everybody. Check them out. NRBQ. Uh, albums I'd recommend are a really accessible one is at Yankee Stadium. Um, another one I think is really good is All Hopped Up. Um, Scra- well, and Scraps. Scraps is super good, too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you yeah. know, those are, those are three I'd go with. I'll Scraps say this. at Yankee Stadium and, uh, what was the other one I just mentioned? Um, um I don't know. Oh, Sorry. uh, All Hopped Up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll all, say this. All great records. They, what, w- I'll, just, one thing we can guarantee you. You'll you're gonna, have fun. You'll, you'll, you'll smile. You'll, they're gonna make you smile. You know what I mean? They're gonna make you smile. And what's, what, I mean, what's not to love about a band that can make you smile? Tell me about that band that's gonna make us frown next. <laughs> Another downer moment with Mike. Um, so <laughs> I decided to, to to revisit a band called Pentagram. Um, now, Pentagram is one of those bands that's like, okay, they're considered kind of uh, godfathers of, say, doom metal. Cool. Um, the comparison. <laughs> yeah. Cool. cool story, bro. Um, no, I, I, kind I, of, I dig some doom. Yeah, no, and they're really, but here's but the thing though: bit. is you li- like look their their image is more evil than their music, in the way that so a lot of people draw the comparison of Pentagram to basically be like, well, they were like the American Black Sabbath, but to me, Pentagram is like Black Sabbath with a little bit of Deep Purple and some Blue Cheer with vocals that sound a a touch like Iron Butterfly. Okay. Okay. 
Bobby Liebling, the vocalist, who famously had a, a, a documentary made about him called Last Days Here, where he's like a can recovering I, addict living be, in this. Before we continue, can I get the time period of when this band exists? Oh, yeah. So, okay. All right. So, the record that I've been listening to is called First Days Here. It was like, it was originally released in 2002. This copy that I have was a re release from 2016. Uh, there were a couple of things on the 2002 pressing that they didn't really like, so they kind of like went back in and remastered a couple of things. Uh, really, really interesting history with with uh, this band because a, so the way that a lot of people recognize Pentagram is from um, an album that was re-released under the title Relentless, but it was originally released under it was like a self-titled album uh, from 1985, right? And this is kind of like the Pentagram album. Okay. And the, was it made in 1985? Uh, it was recorded uh, from 1982 to 1984, and then released okay, in 1985. So this... But that's not what this is. Okay. So what is this? This is the oh, you can't say the original lineup because these guys had more lineup changes than Deep Purple in like four years. Okay. So and from 71 to 76, it's you have one, two, three. Four, five, six different. So they kind of were incarnations like, of or, this band, uh, like uh, mid seventies. That kind of started bumping around. Yeah, seventy four ish, right? Okay. Yeah. Um. So there are so for Mark, Mark one and two, there are no recordings, no studio recordings. Um. Mark three was just a practice. <laughs> Uh, Mark Four. Oh my God! Why would you even list that? Uh, yeah, I don't even know why. It's it's and it gives it you know lasted exactly one amazing practice. John quit later that night via phone call. Sadly, no recordings were made at that one incredible rehearsal. Oh my God! Okay, so anyway, besides um, all this, tell me what this band is go- like. What's going on? Who is the main force and like what is going on with this band? Yeah, so Bobby Liebling is he's he's kind of the guy, right? He's the lead singer, but you know they're kind of they're kind of. They're kind of a crazy band, man. They're kind of a wild band, you know. Was this and the dude that was picking scabs off his arm? <sighs> Didn't you tell me this? Yeah, it he, was. Uh, was he on? It that? was a really crazy documentary. It was very sad. Very fitting for my Mike's Downer moment. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically, like he he his entire life he struggled with uh, addictions. Mainly, from what I had seen, was like heroin and um like cocaine i think crack too i think at one point Ooh. it was actually like smoke like freebasing crack but um i've listened to that with you before it's super cool the band's awesome if yeah, you're into it's a metal music band. pentagram yeah, yeah. Um, if you want metal music for if you want proto metal yeah this is a great proto metal band yeah and that's kind of awesome. like kind of like when they were taking the blues out of metal right like and like judas priest style in almost a way, guitar playing right in a, in a way right but also not really because they have some songs that feel very 12 bar you know what okay. i mean that have that kind of thing so they were still doing that but what they were doing was they were that's where i mean the way that okay so tony iomi right if you say comparatively right like the first three matt uh the first three sabbath albums okay album number one is it swings real hard it's bluesy mm-hmm. album number two is where you kind of get the the early rumblings of like metal a- uh, anthems right like a song right. like paranoid or even like war pigs where it's kind of like it kind of mo- it has there's movement to the music whatever um album three is where things start to get a little bit more like sinister right i mean the first album has a song black sabbath on it which is the tritone which is the right. most evil chord you can play but you don't really get what you would consider Black Sabbath doom until Master of Reality. Right. Right. That's where the Sabbath goes doomy. And this is doomy. This is more doomy in that way where, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot more like 
true minor guitar playing right. rather than minor blues guitar playing which what was right. totally but but dude same thing here though man like the guitar i can't remember the guitar player's name and he, i think he was one of the ones yeah i think it's john no vincent i think it's vincent mccall uh mcallister that's him right there oh right on with the crazy hair um it's just monster, monster, monster uh, guitar solos, man. Just ripping hot, searing hot, but very, very like. Can I add a, a non musical thing to this band, too? Yeah. Uh, their logo is really cool, guys. It's a pentagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, it looks great on the t shirt. Oh, it looks so. I've, listen, I've seen I own it on, that t shirt. Yeah. Uh, you, oh, yeah, you do. Jeff the Brotherhood. Uh, you ever see that picture where he's wearing the pentagram shirt? Yeah. I had the Relentless one where it was the actual, like, goat's head pentagram on it. Right. I, um, I don't have that. I don't have that shirt anymore. You, so, did you kind of discover but, this from this LP, or had you been listening right, to so the, uh, Pentagram, like, in high school and stuff? And no, you see, I never, I never got, I never really got heavy into Pentagram in high school. Even, like, the Doom Metal thing was kind of like a, kind of like a scary place. For me, because I sat real comfy in like new metal and yeah. uh, uh, metal core and stuff like that, where Doom was kind of like the the brute, like the brooding evil brother, you know. Dude, and and it's just like whew, it's heavy and it's. I remember like low being... and slow and dum, dum, dum. you get shit like that. We were like, oh my god! I remember I'm being like thirteen up. and fourteen and like being afraid of like music too. Some like, of it you feel like yeah, like you should be like rowing a Viking ship too. You know what I'm saying? It's very like like oh, I remember when I was like eleven, oh. like you know, you're like ten, eleven, like Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath would scare me. Like oh yeah, <laughs> you know, the, it opens up with the rain, right? Like, the thund- it's like yo, know, <laughs> please no, Satan. Yeah, you know? yeah, stuff like, like that. Yeah, it's heavy. It's cool, but, but yeah, so but yeah, definitely got the evil spooky vibes. Got the evil spooky vibes, but the lyrics are pretty cool. I mean, they're the, you know, uh, does it have like the you know? Because it's been a, a long time since I listened to it. Do they have like the uh, Sabbath like uh, Christian twist on it, where like all the Sabbath songs are actually like pro Jesus? <laughs> You know? <laughs> oh well, yeah. Actually, yeah. I know. I know what you mean. No, this to me felt. This to me felt more deep purple than it felt black side. Okay. So it felt it's... more deep purple. It felt more deep purple and blue cheer than it did for the black side. Right on. So you yeah, know. Pentagram guys, check it out. Yeah, if check it out. Pro, your proto metal. Yeah, the Bobby Liebling documentary. If you can find it, I don't know if you can find it anywhere. I'm sure you could somewhere, but yeah. Um, I think I have a good companion album. Kind of crazy. Kind of a crazy in the mix that I listened to today that I yeah. pulled off the shelves. Yeah. All right. What is it? What do you got? Um, I pulled off a band like Child. Okay. So I was searching Disogs a long time ago, and uh, I like was buying something from the seller that I don't remember what it was. I actually think it was like a 1910 Fruit Gump Company record because okay. I was like at one point I was like really interested in educating myself on uh, bubblegum pop. And so I began to buy all the bubblegum pop from Buddha Records label. Okay. Um, and anyway, so I was on the sellers. I was seeing what else he had for sale. And he had this cool record I'd never seen on the uh, the Jubilee record uh, label. Uh, and the album's called Child. And the record, uh, the band's called Child. The album's called Child. Self-titled. Um, and it, like, has these rocks on it. Right? Oh, what See a it? crazy looking cover. Right. And it has this girl screaming. And then it's just, like, it's a weird record. Um it's pretty hard to look up to, so that's why I kind of recommend looking it up with the record label. Uh, Child, the album came out 1968 on the Jubilee record label. Um, and anyway, it is like a proto-metal. It's like 68 proto-metal. Yeah. Huh? Uh, yeah, it's got like screechy vocals. Um, it, sound, it rocks like early Deep Purple and Vanilla Fudge. Yep, yep. Um, 
the first song on it is in that uh, vein a little bit. They do Hold On, I'm Coming, and it has an organ on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, dun, 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 right? Like that. Yep. Um, But it's like uh, the Sam and Dave song. If you haven't heard that, look it up. Uh, you know, Stacks Records. Mm-hmm. But um, Hold On, I'm Coming is like, it, but it's like, it's chunky on here. It's like more riff rocky. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah, this record's really, really cool. Um. You know they oh they, actually they have a song called Exodus on here, um, oh. right? If you listen to our episode last week, we talked about Bob Marley. Um, but anyway, yeah, Child is like there was organ on it, it was screechy vocals. Um, this is quite an obscure album. Um, but if you're into kind of like looking up, you know, lost gems, and you're into like you know proto metal, this would pair well, I believe, with that Pentagram record. Uh, hmm. this is yeah, Child, nineteen sixty eight. Like, uh, check it out. I might send Mike home with it because it was pretty cool. Yeah, I'll have to go to listen. I haven't listened to that. Before. It's like a twenty twenty five dollar record to find. I I don't think it's ever been redone. Um, okay. But I highly recommend it if you're into like heavy music. Um, even if you're into like '60s rock psychedelic, it's definitely uh, it's got psych in it too. Okay, it's got like psych elements, you know. But you know, I kind of emphasize that with the Vanilla Fudge reference. But it's not; it's more riff rocky. But okay. um, it, check it out, really cool. Child, 1968 on the Jubilee label. Check it out. What do you got? Uh, I got a record in the mail like three days ago. Oh, uh, I got something else. Some, oh, you are something else. <laughs> you are something else. Dum, the Cannonball dum, dum. Adderley album, uh, Something Else, featuring Miles Davis, Hank Jones, Sam Jones, and Art Blakey. Uh, you know, this was an album. I've wanted this album for such a long time. And Luke has it, and I've I just I've envied it. And it um, was like at a, I found it at like a really good price. And we were just like, yep. Let me speak to all you people out there who are like not so hip on jazz, but like you want to be hip on jazz because I'm not hip on jazz, man. I just look at lineups and people. Um, this was one I saw. I mean, I you know when I first got into jazz, you know, you listen to Kind of Blue because that's where everyone tells you to start, um, yep. and that's where I would tell you to start. The second record I would tell you to listen to. And this is like directly after, if you like kind of blue, next one you go to, something else. Um, yeah. Band leader on this is Cannibal Adderley, um, Miles Davis on a rare Blue Note Records release. Um, I think this is his last Blue Note record release, too, right? I'm almost positive For of Cannibal? that. No, Miles. Oh, Cause, uh, yeah, because he went to Columbia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why this album's pretty or, cool, too. Well, no, this is... Is this... I thought this was after Kind of Blue. This is after Kind of Blue. Okay, so, yeah, Miles is probably appearing courtesy of... Yep, that's his around the back. Miles Davis performs by courtesy of Columbia That's Records. why this record is also special. So it's like yep. Miles' last Blue Note recording. So you have Cannibal Adderley as band leader, Miles Davis as sideman on uh, trumpet, uh, Cannibal on sax. You have uh, Hank Jones... On uh, bass, right? Uh, Hank and Sam Jones. So yeah, um, Hank Jones. Oh no, Hank Jones is piano. Sam Jones is bass. Bass. Headed backwards, and then uh, our Our, man, our Blakey Blakey on drums. The man himself. So I'm not super familiar with uh, the Joneses over there, but um, Art Blakey is uh, a band leader in his own right. So you already know he's one of the best. You know that that kind of thing. Played with the likes of Wayne Shorter. uh, Lee Morgan, uh, many you know, others. Yeah, like you know, yeah, um, big names, man. And then you know, everybody knows Miles Davis and Cannibal Adderley is one of the saxophone players on Miles Davis's Kind of Blue. So right. if you're kind of trying to make like 
quick connections of like trying to figure out what jazz you like. Um, you kind of start looking at people's names, and then you kind of make associations from there. But um, yeah, something else uh, by Cannonball Adderley is one of the best records of all time. Um, this is also, I think, the last time Miles Davis ever played for uh, Sideman for anybody, which is very fascinating too. Oh yeah, right. Huh? I didn't think of that. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, think about it, dude. Miles Davis is like the biggest jazz star at the time, and then Cannonball Adderley gets him to play. Side man yeah. on this record, but the thing, but here's the thing though, is going back to like you said, you know, you start at kind of blue. That's why you Got listen it. to you listen to kind of blue and Cannonball is on that album. He's the alto sax and uh, Look, my uh, favorite Coltrane's thing, the tenor sax counterpart on that album. My favorite thing about this record too uh, is you get Art Blakey on drums. Art Blakey's one of my favorite drummers of all time. Oh yeah, and it's just a great feel. Um, and the songs on here too are so like accessible, uh, because. Cannibal Adderley is one of like he's so melodic in his playing. Um, yeah, he'll give you like these great lines, like and it's easy jazz to get into, guys, because it, it it has a melody. Like I was, I can hum you the the line, you know, yeah. uh, for you know, uh, you know, you know, you're like the songs get stuck in your head. They're like they they aren't like what did I just listen to? It's they're very structured, right? Um, very beautiful. Um, Autumn Leaves is on here. Love for Sale is on here. This, I'm so sorry, I took us over from you, Mike. No, you're good, this man. This is one of my favorite is, records. It's so, so good. Um, See, I, th- and that's the thing with with Cannonball was I from listening to Kind of Blue. I feel like you can go to uh, eventually you you do it all right because that's just what happens as a byproduct. But for me, I I made the I'm saying in contrast like uh, his. Uh, like one of his contemporaries at the time, I went the John Coltrane route. I went the, you know what I'm trying to say. I went, right. like, I went for tenor sax rather than alto sax. Um, but Cannonball, the thing I love about Kind of Blue is that when you hear Cannonball and Coltrane play against each other, that's where you can decide. Oh, okay, because it's not. It's, yeah, it's because it's Coltrane the, gives it's, you these lot like these crazy lengthy like searchy kind of like trying to find its way lines. Where Cannonball just gives you these like really romantic velvet like beautiful they're just beautiful like it's like a flower like opening up you know what I mean it's he has such a sweetness to his playing that Coltrane listening to something else yeah but he went yeah like listening to this record we're holding right now something else uh, I would describe Cannonball Adderley's playing and, and like you said lives like velvety and sweet I'm gonna sneeze <coughs> bless you oh, thank you sorry guys um. I would describe his playing like that on here as well, but um, when I listened to it, it was like um, you hear a line and then like you're like kind of in your heart, you like you you know what you want the next line to be, yeah. And he'll like play it, and you're like, oh, I can't believe he knew like what to play, yeah, <laughs> like you right, know, right. it's it's like one of those things. Like you're listening to it, you're like, I hope he goes there, and then he like goes there, and you're like, oh, like it's it's so yeah, sweet. It's very romantic. Side, yeah, side A on here. He's too, a romantic. Autumn uh, leaves player. and love for sale are two of my favorite like back to back. That makes <sighs> one of my favorite sides of an album of all time. Yeah. Um, even just don't. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. And to speak to, um, well, let me see real quick. Uh, to speak to Hank Jones on piano, man, he is another one who very, very much is a romantic piano player. He gives you like these big, beautiful, like lush chords. Like, you know what I mean? He doesn't. He, in other words, he doesn't do kind of like the monk kind of thing where he's like, play, he'll play like Plunky. four. He'll play he'll plunk like eight notes and then like do two laps around his piano kind of thing you know right. what i mean he was very much just like it's again same thing like 
very romantic, very, a lot, lots of movement in his play. Right. There's breath, there's this uh, kind of thing. Pairs well with a, a nice dinner with friends. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We should we should come up with a list. Top five. Would top not five jazz albums that albums. won't drive people out of the room. Yeah. I think the only Okay, so something else. Yeah. Let's do this right now. Something else. Kind of blue. Kind of blue. Um, I'd say blue train. That's the least for me. That's no, like the least challenging. Bu- it's got busy. It's got it's busy, got busy but it's. Not... I would. I would go. Uh, um, saxophone colossus. Uh, I knew you were gonna do that to me. That has some busy ones, but it's it's more like uh, I, you know, that opening track on saxophone colossus. Oh, I, I so mean, I dig good. that. It's so. so what else good. you got? You got anything else? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, the sidewinder maybe Lee Morgan, but uh, that's also kind of hectic. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna throw a curveball at you. That's kind of not super jazz, but uh, uh, Stan Getz. And, oh. Uh, gets one hundred percent. That's number one. Yep. I'm sorry. A that's jazz number that's one. not going to drive people out of the room. That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's like number so so accessible. Yeah, absolutely. Every I tell you, man, if I have that record on and somebody comes over, they're like, they're like, what is this? Yeah. I'm telling you, like, get, yeah. uh, gets Gimberto. Look it up, everybody. Yeah, one, one of the best amazing. records of all time. Uh, uh, everybody should know I'm a bossa nova. Maybe addict. maybe the Duke Ellington John Coltrane album. Oh yeah yeah okay yeah, that's okay. a good one. So that's like that's that's a good five right there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are five records that aren't going to drive somebody out of the room. Everybody. Yeah, five jazz records that won't piss your dad off. <laughs> no, I think I don't know about that man. <laughs> I remember one time, dude. My dad, my dad hates jazz, like loathes <laughs> it. And I was like, come on, dad, try it out, try it out. And they had like an Amazon Alexa or something like that. And I put it on, and I could see him. I could see him getting angry yeah like get like literally his body like tensing up and him getting like like genuinely upset about it i was just like oh i've put it on before to elicit that uh response from somebody i could definitely (laughs) say that are you saying that you've used jazz as a weapon luke yeah (laughs) you've weaponized jazz Like, hey, my fault. You can't. You, can't. you put not- on John Coltrane line at the live at the Village Vanguard, like the second <laughs> one, and just like <laughs> the whole time. That'll that will make somebody listen. Leave if, the house. No, if you want to build character, you listen to live at the Village Vanguard <sighs> again, and you sit through my favorite things. Oh my! Gosh. It's character building. I don't know what it is, man. It's uh, it's. I think it's like that that Buddhist thing where you're like uh. You you know you sit through uh, things you don't like and you become comfortable. With I think uh, yeah right. I think that uh, well we're kind of veering off of Cannonball, but just to speak to uh, John Coltrane real quick, man. Like I'm just saying that the thing is about him is you you for me anyway. Like I see kind of how important his spirituality is, and then the fact that he looked at music and sort of that same devotional kind of spiritual practice that he did a lot of profound things. Um, but a lot of people really didn't like a lot of that. <laughs> so, you know, what are you gonna do? But I hated something there for you somewhere. Yeah. I find I can I can do it. I can listen to it. I do. But it's it doesn't mean that it doesn't get challenging at times, you know. But yeah, so uh anyway, check out something else yeah, uh, by something Cannonball else. Adderley. Absolutely. Anything off of the we've said it before, but anything off of the seventy fifth blue note. And uh, uh, that pressings. is originally blue note uh fifteen ninety five. Yes. So yeah. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. Look what else Check it out. what do you have over there? Okay, so like I uh so the, the you know everybody knows Facebook is a cesspool. Um yep. <laughs> but um my algorithm I really uh haven't added any friends since high school, so uh everybody has like unfriended me or whatever. There's a couple people on there whatever, but um part of a lot of musical groups which I find to be uh mostly positive and a lot of fun. Yeah. Um so uh, the musical groups on Facebook, someone kind of posed a fun question. Uh, do the Rolling Stones have anything fun to do with punk rock? And I'm like, yeah, they Absolutely definitely do. They do. Um, which kind of made me like think of like you know a stance on it. So I, I kind of came up with a stance, and it made me want to listen to this record. Um, 
So I uh, took it out today. Uh, English, England's newest hitmakers by the Rolling Stone, the first U.S. American release LP by the Stones. Um, and I think this is one of the like if you if you okay so like everybody's kind of like in like there's like a group of collectors that are into like garage rock yeah um 60s garage rock um and if you are want to kind of get into that genre of music because I was you know at one point obsessed with 60s garage rock garage punk bands of the 60s um I feel like a great album that's really accessible and super cheap and uh, readily available is the first Rolling Stones album. I think it's super garagey. Yep. Um, opens up with Buddy Holly's "Not Fade Away." That that like raunchy, like raucous version of the Stones. Brian Jones is wailing on the harmonica. Mm. You know, like the yeah, awesome. Um, they basically take like Buddy Holly, who's like American as apple pie as rock and roll goes, right? And they just kind of slam slam through it like a freight train um and i think that's pretty punk punk rock um they also do uh route 66 on here Mm. um that cover which i think is like uh one of the groundworks for like all the garage rock bands kind of in america like this is one of like the most like telling album they also do walking the dog um Mm. you know Walking the dog. Uh, Aerosmith does it on the first album. Yeah, I was gonna say. Right. So I mean, it, Aerosmith's not punk. Um, I know, but they're you know garage. The the garage rock kind of thing is very alive in here, and I think that kind of grew out into the punk movement. Um, also, oh, Mike, yeah. you were kind of saying something about like attitude, like Mick Jagger's attitude, which yeah, I would I agree think, with. Yeah, I think the attitude about it influenced, say, maybe the likes of like Billy, your Billy Idols, or maybe Billy Idol. You think Billy Idol's punk rock? What are you over here? Um, no, no, no. I, you know what I mean. It, he has that kind of oh like, God. like kind of. I mean, I guess he was he was at one point. He's considered punk rock, man. I mean, <laughs> but what I'm trying to say though is, yeah, punk maybe, rock is dead, man. Punk rock. Punk rock. <laughs> Our first episode about black Black Flag. We named ourselves after the Henry Rollins book, and you're over here telling me Tell Billy, me I- was Billy Idol is a punk guy. <laughs> Listen, I whatever. mean, I get he was in he was in Chelsea back in the day, which was somewhat legitimate. But let's let's right. But what I'm saying is is what I what I mean is is that I would it's say the same I would thing say that maybe he has that is also Sid like vicious. that. Sid vicious, right, right, right. He has like that kind of how can I put it like an English snarl, right. You know what I mean? It's that like, yeah, you know, but I'm saying even with um I I hear what you're saying. Can I can I give you some bands that just completely rip the attitude and I can bring it right up? Uh you have Iggy Pop walking around on stage. Well, like that was Mick just Jagger. gonna say Iggy you have Pop. the New York dolls. Yeah. Who are basically just trying to be the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Right. And then uh, that's how I see it. You yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. All right. Listen, I let me redact the Billy Idol. Please. Jeez. I feel like I'll never be forgiven for I this. I don't know. It's a white wedding over here, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Hey little sister, what have you done? <laughs> Mona, Mona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. You are right. uh, No, I take it back. I take it back. I take it back full force. Anyway, so I think Please the Stones are pretty me. punk rock guys. Um, if you can, like, a lot of people too. Like, I get it, man. Like, if you don't really like, like, dig back now, like, the Stones catalog can be confused for like, uh, Satisfaction, Wild Horses, yeah. Brown Sugar. You know, uh, yeah, like I'm the, so hopper, like like the Some Girls, yeah, album, like the uh, you know, there's a lot of like 70s hits that are pretty big that outshine yeah. like the earlier, uh, you know, punkier, fuzzier, uh, rock and roll era, I guess. Um, not to say that there aren't some great examples later, but um, yeah, because I dig all of them. But like, uh, English newest hit makers is such a great like garage rock record. Uh, you know, garage blues. There's a lot of Chicago on here. Um, I'm a King B. Um. 
And now I'm not going to be able to think of who sings that. Oh, I'm a king bee. Buzz a while. Oh, man. It's I not can't. muddy, is it? No. Can you look it up? Are you talking about originally? Yeah. It is, and it's really bugging me. Um, this is real. Oh, Slim Harpo. Slim Harpo. Okay. I got you. Okay. Also, we um, had some technical difficulties. If you heard hearing some noise, we have a connectivity issue. Here. Oh, are we good? Yeah, we're okay now. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah, you have cool songs in here like uh, I'm a King Bee, originally by uh, Slim Harpo. If you don't know who Slim Harpo is, check him out. Ah, one of the best fuzzier original guitar players ever. Um, and that's a cool cut on here. I also, like I said, uh, Route 66 is great. Walking the Dog is really cool. Every song on here is great. I highly recommend it. It's all covers. So let's, you know, you know, say that Carol's on here, which is like they play Carol forever. You know, Chuck Berry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love it. I think it's garagey. I think it rocks hard. Um, and yeah, uh, if you want to read kind of like a good impression of it, Keith Richards book, um, when he first talks about meeting Bobby Keys, he kind of talks about the Bobby Keys talks about the first time he listened to this album when he was a boy in Texas, a mm. young man, and uh, made quite the impression on him. And it was pretty cool. So uh, check right that on. out, too. Yeah. What do you got, Mike? You got something else? The Rolling Stones. So, yeah, anyway. Oh, can I kind of piggyback off this one? Yeah. I got a good piggyback. So yeah, okay. I listened to that Stones one, and I was like, yeah, I think the Stones are pretty punk rock for their time. You know what I mean? Because music builds off everything else yeah. after it. You know, it's like big run-through of our show. Um, and it also made me think of another record that I had um, by the band the Shadows of the Night. Um, their big claim to fame is the song Gloria, um, originally by uh, Them, featuring Van, Van Morrison. Morrison yeah. um, Gloria was covered by a million garage rock bands, and the Shadows of the Night are one of my favorite garage rock bands of all time. Um, their cover of Gloria is very famous. Um, I, it's one of the first ones to get big in the U.S., and the Shadows of the Night were from Chicago, um, so they would play kind of like a lot of Chicago-style blues, um, but they were a okay. garage band. Um, they were all white, um, young young boys, um, 19, 20, when their first album comes out. Um, and Gloria is amazing. They have, like, every song in here is great. Uh, Dark Side, one of, like, the moodiest garage rock songs of all time. Mm. It's amazing. They do uh, Boom Boom. Uh, they kind of sound like the animals a little bit, the yard birds a little bit, okay. um, the stones a little bit, but yeah. definitely American and definitely Chicago blues based. Um, okay. You can definitely hear it. Um, and they do a, sh- a lot of Chicago songs on here. They do um, your Hoochie Coochie Man. They do um, Can't Judge a Book. Um, oh, yeah, is uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's uh, I'm a Man. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of that. It's got, they put like different words on it. Yeah, oh, and they also do I Just Want to Make Love to You, uh, you know. And, uh, yeah, d- highlights on here, though, for me are, are Dark Side and uh, Light Bulb Blues for more, like, originally stuff. Okay. Those are, Light Bulb Blues has a great, like, kind of riff going on okay. to it. Oh, it's great. Um, and, of course, yeah, this band is, is just really amazing. And there they, there's uh, there's actually great live recordings of this band of the period 265, 66. Okay. Really, I think, ahead of their time um, for, like, how punk rock they are. Mm. Um, this album rocks like a, a punk record. It actually kind of rocks like the uh, MC5, too, which is when they oh, listen okay. to it. Yep. It sounds like a really early incarnation of what the MC5 would become. Um, so Shadows of the Night are a great band. Um, it piggybacks well off uh, English New Ex- England's newest hit makers by the Rolling Stones, their first release, which I think is 64, 65, somewhere around there. And uh, this album, I believe, is 1965, Shadows of the Night. I got this when we were up in Vermont. 
Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that was a dope record store. I don't remember the name of that one either, but. <sighs> yeah, that's what was Burlington, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, next to my pile was I, my other NRBQ Oh, record. the Q. Yeah, I listened to this one the other the couple couple days ago. Yeah. Oh, dude, Queen Talk. You ever listen to that song? No. NRBQ, Queen Talk. Listen to it. <laughs> They're great. I'm going to have to borrow a couple of records, man. Yeah, I, th- I think you should. Yeah. Um, I've been feeling a bit musically stale, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, see, man. But I went to the record store today. Y- so you know what it is, though, for me, because I mean, I, I have a lot of records. A lot of the time, I find if I p- just put anything on, it'll make me like think of something else, and then I'll start like. Yeah, you'll get. Yeah, yeah, you'll start to. Yeah, the thing with me, it's tough in the way that, you know, I, I have Sesame Street's on. All day, every day, I'm in my house. It's hard to spin. It's hard to spin a uh, a cool jazz record. I've been actually. I've been spinning well, a lot. I've been spinning so much. I like been forgetting what I've been spinning. Like I just like listen to maybe like I've I've definitely done at least like 30, 40 albums this week. I try to do at least like yeah. one one a day. Uh, you know, four or five a day is good. Yeah, those, that's the goal, man. Yeah, it's really what it is. Is one like you got to make it. I mean, if you're into listening to music and you want to make it like something that's a priority in your life, like it's not wasting time if it's making you happy and fulfilling you. So like, yeah, and you learn cool stuff. It's there's it's interesting. It's yeah. I I mean, you know, I get I I mean I get like uh, fulfilled from music in a way that I don't know if anybody else really does, but it it fills my spirit pretty good. So well, dedicating I, time to it is something that I find important. You know, just like kind of yeah, man, making. And, time for music and for me too the medium of like the vinyl record what's nice is the resurgence there's a couple there's there's some things about the resurgence of vinyl records that i think we can all can be like all right but there is another part to that and that part to that is it sort of like not that music listening was never a hobby but in the but it's in other words it's different to have music that's in your car that you listen to while you're driving compared to being home and being like I'm going to put a record on and sit down and listen to the record. It's engagement. Right. So it's different and it's and it's it's that's what sets this I think this medium aside is that where it's like it it turns music listening into an actual hobby mm-hmm. in itself, you know. And uh, that's the th- that's the thing that I love about it because you can like listen to a cool record and then like with us, you know what I mean? Like if I get something that you've never heard, I'm like, hey man, check this, you know. So it's at any given moment, there's at least like ten to fifteen records of mine at Luke's house and Luke's at my house. You know what I mean? Like because that's the whole thing. It's like a communal thing for us. It's right. My brother owns records. He's got some cool record. He's got some cool like Ramones. Uh, records and stuff, and I'm just like, hey man, you know, and we're like, you know, swapping records back and forth. So just, just to share the love of uh, the music itself, you know. Yeah, and it's you know, it's nice too because you just like, you know, it, it makes you listen to stuff too that you wouldn't even think of because some of the stuff has never been released again. Like that band Child, um, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's out right. there. Yeah, at this point, it's out there. Right, but like you know, it's it's like I would have never, you know, just it would have never came across my plate. If I wasn't right. into the format, right, right, um, and yeah, yeah that's, it's I cool, man. They sell like records at Walmart and Target now, which is like whatever. Uh, and I think that's you know, guys. Let me let me just also state, it the accessibility of vinyl now is everywhere. But go to your local run record stores. Yeah, absolutely. Because listen, because like facts, man. 
and it's not even and their stock and records guys in there like you know I'm gonna shout out my my boy Dan at Mystic Disc yeah I was just there today. He, he'll yeah he'll put records in there that like you know he you know he has curated a taste and he'll like buy you know new represses that he thinks like that are cool that you might like you know yeah and like it gives his store flavor oh and he looks out for you in the way to where he's like I remember. Because I'm a big, obviously, I'm a big blues fan. He's like, hey, man, I found uh, I found a Holland Wolf album. That's the one with, like, the chair. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, man, whatever you want. It's yours. It's here. Just come get it. Even if you don't have the money. You know what I mean? Like, kind of thing. Like, And that's once, what we're talking about with local yeah. record stores. Is like, that's what you, you, know, you get. Pe- yeah, you get people. Also, let me just say this. Also, Target will never be like, oh, you like this Beach Boys record? You'll love this Zombies record. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And uh, that's why you should go to the record store, too. We are on a, a divergent over here. But I'm just also saying that, like... The myth of the fact that you're gonna pay more for records at a record, at like a local record store, too. To false, me, this is BS. False. This is why it's BS. Because okay, you look at an album like something else, right? You go into your local record store, and it's probably like twenty five bucks. You go on Amazon, it's like sixteen dollars. Okay, and I understand you're buying a record. It's you know whatever. But what I'm saying is, is that this is where it makes up for it. With certain albums, you'll be paying a little bit extra money. But your dumbass is not going to go to Target and spend $35 on Yellow Brick Road when you can go find a great copy at your local record store for 10 bucks. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. So that's the trade-off. Is like they're ripping you. The, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Also, like you think you're also saving you, money, but you're not really because you also, can get a lot of you're good gonna records go in great a, shape for cheap. Right. You're going to also go into that record store, right? And and you're going to uh, look at Dan at Mystic Disc, right, which is our example because that's our boy. But like uh, – you know the jazz that he will restock new in there. It's curated already. You you know what right, I'm saying. So right. you have somebody that has a taste for that music, who if you ask is knowledgeable to give you an answer about what you will like depending on what you know you're feeling. If you say, "Hey, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of, of jazz, but I I, I want to dip my toe. What what will I have?" And he'll yeah. have five six records there that you might love. What, what instrument do you like? Do you like the saxophone? Oh, if you like the saxophone, you you might like this. Or, yeah. oh, you already like the trunk. Oh, you like piano. Here's a Bill Evans record. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. And so, like, that's what you're getting at a record store. You're getting the knowledge of somebody who's in there who can curate yeah. a beautiful, uh, you know, new experience for you that you've never had. Right. Um, and also, we're going to tell you the vinyl format is the best because it sounds the best. Yeah. Uh, it's the thickest. It's, you know. And, it's uh, the warmest. It's a lot of fun. And if you want a record player for cheap, too, like... You know, there's nothing wrong going to Target and buying. They have like the Audio Technica ones there now. Like yeah. the, you know, it's like I think it's like 180 bucks. Buy it. It's cool. And yeah. the, the LP one 120, right? That little thing. I got a dinky yeah. one upstairs in my like little side room. It's a great little record player. You know, there's uh, tons of stuff out there. It's easy, Here, it's super easy to get a cheap setup nowadays. Yeah, man. But here's the other thing though too. Even in like the turntable that I have right now. It, we're we're not like uh, we're not. This is not a sponsored segment for Mystic Disc, but we just love Mystic Disc because you know. But I bought the turn. I bought a cool the Technics turntable that I have. I bought from from Dan, and it was like it ran great. He knows a guy who like refurbishes like old turntables. So that's the thing though too. And it and look and there's also y- like uh, you know, I, it cost me to... like what 120 bucks, but it's like all right, yeah. Or I go spend what like. Oh, uh, you know, close to two hundred bucks for like a good Audio Technica setup when I can just buy like this dope fully automatic uh, right. Technic setup where you know it or it has the counterweight, it has every you know it has the nice features. It's a nice turntable, you know, direct drive. So that's the other thing too. As I'm just saying, you know, record players are completely accessible, and even so, at you know, yeah, at yeah. your local record store because they'll tell you too, man. How many times you try to look something up, right? You try to look up like a review. 
and there's always so many mixed reviews on things online, whatever, whatever. Yeah, you, you go, go and record, you're like, yeah, hey, man, what, what, what turntable do you recommend? Right, exactly. You and get... you can trust them. That's what I mean. You know what I mean? That's so. Yeah, because they're, they're in the business, man. Yeah. Anyway. That record was a stores. That was a tangent, but. No, well, you know, tangents are good. Do you have yeah. anything else over there? What do you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I, I got, I, I got one. If you, you're eating. Yeah, well, I'm eating just because, like, I didn't. Oh really... my god, this record! I, I do it. I find this. I have the same. I find the same thing with this record. Yeah. Oh, that's also. Is that on the Jubilee record label? Uh, uh, take it, take it out. It might be. It's, it's no mainstream. Mainstream. Yeah. mainstream. That's uh, uh, that, that record label was um the one that uh, Big Brother's first album's on. Which okay. Yanis. Yes, <laughs> Yannis Yaplin. So this is a band. It's, uh, the band is called Josephus. 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 Um, you know, they're one of just kind of like those like they're sort from of, Texas, right? Yeah, they're from Texas. It's a decent isn't record. Bi- oh, bi- not... Isn't Big Brother from Texas too, or is it just Janice from Texas? Uh, no, I think it's just Janice. Okay, I'm from Texas. Yeah. I, I I could I just be had wrong. Questions, I don't guys. actually. I don't 100. So tell know tell us that. about Josephus or Josephus. The or... thing is, is, there's really not much. The, to the know. spelling, <laughs> the spelling of this. Okay, I know more about this record than you do. <laughs> Let me see it. That's why I didn't want to bring it up, man, because I'm just like uh, I didn't even put the legwork. Okay, so this is. I just spun it just for the sake of listening to it. Okay, so no, no, no. Give you know. I'll, I'll give Mike some credit here. We have me and Mike have definitely listened to this album multiple, multiple times. Yeah. Um. The band is uh. We don't really know how to pronounce it. It's J O S E F U S. Um, yeah. I I see my dude uh, Novel Records on Instagram. You check that dude out. He's at a great store, I believe, in North Carolina. Um. I, he's got some original copies of this band. Um. This is like a proto, um, hard rock band from I believe Texas. Um. And their vocalist is not good, so it makes it a bit hard to listen to at times, right? Would you agree with that? Is the vocals are the tough part of this record? Yeah, I'd say. I mean, I just I kind of was very indifferent on it. It's definitely it's like, proto metal. It's proto metalish, but there's also kind of like some like maybe like southern rock and roll kind of feel to it. I guess maybe it might be a stretch, and if somebody thinks it's a stretch, please check me for it. But maybe sort of that black oak Arkansas-ish yep, kind of thing yep, going yep, on. Yep. You know what I mean? That kind of a feeling. No, no doubt. I was gonna t- I was gonna shout that out before. Were you? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. I mean, they, I, their other album is it called Skull? Um, who's this band? Is? Yeah, th- I think so. Yeah, yeah, their other album I think is called Skull. Um, it, I mean, they're cool and they're pro metally. They're kind of uh, they're kind of doomy at times, but not really. Yeah, no, it's it's just it's they're a strange band that you just I think you just have to listen to them to like, um, really. Get I it. liked it, but like I wasn't I didn't listen to it and go like this changed my life. Right. Um, but it's cool. It's like cool proto metal. So that's kind of why me and Mike me and Mike were like super into that at one point. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Trying to listen to like all like In the, the mountain uh, days. Un- undiscovered uh, you know hard rock bands as yeah. we can find. Um, and this is one of them. I kind of liked it. If you're into, I think if you're into like the San Francisco sound, like I said, like uh, if you're into like Big Brother, even maybe, and mm-hmm. you also like Black Sabbath and Deep Purple kind of stuff, yeah, you might like this record. Um, I thought maybe like a little too stonery at times. Yeah. Would you? They also, I think they yeah. do a cover of Satisfaction on the second album. Oh, I think you might be right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I look. I, Listen, man. You it bought was a, this. You yeah. bought this in New York, correct? No, I bought that. I thought I bought that at like Newberry Comics. No, nah, you. I think you bought this in New York. Oh, bro. you know what? Yeah, I bought that at what's the famous uh, record store in the East Village? There, I don't know. Uh, Bleecker Street. Bleecker Street. Bleecker Street Records. I think that's where I bought that record. I don't know. Bro. And it was like twenty five. I'm a country bumpkin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, again, in, sort of indifferent, but in, in in good in the way to where like I wouldn't be surprised if you maybe found one of their songs on one of those like uh, brown acid comps. The other thing about you know this record I mean? like, one of the, too like that. was like me and Mike are talking about it. it it's a cool record. If you put it on, it's kind of like a mood. Yeah. But then you're just like, okay. Like, it's not something I'm where like, I would be obsessed about, but it's cool. I mean, like, I feel like we're talking right. about it bad, but we also enjoy it. Yeah, no, I don't, yeah, I, I don't mean to put it down, you know what I mean, at all. But I'm just saying it's not the first, you know, it's not the first choice, but if it's, if it, but this, you know what this record is, man. This record is when it's just kind of like, I don't know what to listen to. Hey, you know what, screw it. Let me, let me try to listen to that. Or if you get into like a proto metal mood. Yeah. Because you just want just another one. You want just another bite. You're like a hard <laughs> you know? rocker. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good hard yeah, yeah. rock. So, Josephus, check them out. Another album that Luke just recently got was another band name, which I find a hard time trying to pronounce. But wasn't it like Granaceous? Granaceous? Remember that? You got you out. I thought you bought that record. It was like a it was like a weird psych album, and like the whole album cover is orange, and it's like the black silhouettes of like all the band members. I thought that you got that oh, record. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You have that one. Oh, my God. That band's so much better. Right. But, yeah. But yes. that, yeah, that's Grenacious from Grenacious. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, I'm saying, that I, in other words, I would see a band RC, like. On the RCA label. You could see a band like Josephus playing on the same bill as. Actually, I don't think band. so. You don't think so? No, no, no. Josephus, I think, is like the, uh, you know, turn 1969, 1970 era kind of thing mm. which is why it makes it like a little earlier that being Grenacious, which is also like a um kind of undiscovered hard rock band um they, I, they're a little later they're 73 74 i think kind of or oh. maybe even like 72 um but i think uh joseph I, I think josephus is a bit earlier and that's why the sound is a bit more psyche and a bit more kind of like offish, a bit like not so realized you know what i mean yeah let's uh let's look Let's look. Josephus. Yeah, so the album Dead yeah, Dead Man is the album. Dead I think, Man, that that's what I thought it was that's, skull. Yeah. It has a skull album. on it. Yeah, it's very it's it's very kind of like uh yeah, doom and gloom looking. This album, the self titled Josephus was nineteen seventy. That's what I thought. Yeah, they span they went from nineteen sixty nine to two thousand five. But the it looks like the original run was three albums. Get off my case in sixty nine. Dead Man was 1970, and 1970 as well was the self-titled album. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. cool band. You know, check them out. Yeah, the, pretty the, cool. It's worth it. I also, think that record it's worth you, checking out. Yeah, Josephus. Also, that band you shouted out, uh, Grenacious. Uh, Grenacious. Cool, uh, cool 1974. Band. They sound like... Uh, z- I like, was looking uh, the, for that album today, the too. The first Zeppelin knew. album <sighs> and the first Rush album. If you mix those together, that's what it sounds like. When I went today, I was like, There's, I don't think anybody would have bought it. Because the last time I went, it was at Mystic Disc, and I didn't buy it. How much it. was it? Uh, I think it was like I think it was like 24, an 25 bucks. You're an idiot. I didn't buy it the last time I went, but this time I was like, oh, that I was like Why determined. Buy I was it? like, I'm going to get that record if it's still there. And of course, it wasn't Oh, my there. God. It's a, that's a pretty rare record, man. Yeah, I know. I, I, got a, I have a repress of it. I know. I th- Yeah, I think it was a repress, but yeah, it was, ugh, I'm such an idiot. I, I have a repress of it. It's, it's a cool, cool record. Yeah. Speaking um, of cool records, you were listening to uh, yeah, so like, Smile? Um, you know, okay, so uh, my girlfriend Chelsea, I got her like obsessed with the Beach Boys, and like, I walked outside the other day, and she was playing it on her phone, and I was listening to like uh, a garage rock something. I was listening to something like garage rocky. I think it was yeah. like a garage rock compilation. And um, I was like, oh, man, you know what? I'm going to put on some Beach Boys, you know, and uh, just because, like, you know, one, 
I uh, don't always like to play the music I just want to hear and hear those sometimes I like yeah. to make other people in the house happy. So I put on the Beach Boys uh, Smile because it's my favorite, you know, uh, one of my favorite Beach Boys records. And I put it on. And honestly, like, it just the, the I, I didn't, you don't even, like, realize sometimes when you're feeling down, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I can't tell you, I don't think any other record makes me smile more. I don't think any record makes me sadder. And I don't think any record brings me more joy. I, I don't know where I mean yeah the like in two, I understand though. so I understand what you mean. um the Beach Boys we gotta do a Beach Boys episode one day because like I could talk to, about the Beach Boys the Beach Boys are my favorite that might band. be a couple parter that might be like Deep Purple where we do a yeah, couple parts the Beach Boys are America's band everybody so let's get that straight yeah the second thing is Smile um which was like I guess fully kind of released in 2011 um they put out this great two record uh set um and it's the fourth side is outtakes. The first three are the album. And I think it flows well. If it came out when it was supposed to in 1967, 66, after Pet Sounds, I can't even imagine. Yeah, um, what would have happened? The, this, I can't even, the smiles on my face, Um, it, it, the childish, like, natures of, like, the melodies and the harmonies and the lyrics of this record. Like, if you have kids, even, like, I think your kid would love this record. Oh, yeah. Because it's got, yeah, like, yeah, a yeah. lot of, like, funny noises, and there's, like, a, you know, the barnyard scene. You know, everyone's, <laughs> yeah. like, bah, like, making noises. Yeah. There's carpentry scenes, and um, it, it, it says smile. I, it just smiles that come on my face. I can't even tell you, like, what is, like, you know, what this record means to me. It's probably like, my favorite record of yeah. all time. It's, like... I you know my favorite records are are kind of all very similar. I really like you know Sergeant Pepper's Smile, uh, Pet Sounds, uh, yep. Odyssey and Oracle. They kind of all sound the same and were made in the same period. But um, yeah, if you haven't listened to this record, uh, check it out. And I can it's it's hard it's hard at first if you're not used to it. It's it yeah. can, it can be a bit you're like, challenging. What? But if you do, but that's why you do Pet Sounds first. Yeah, you do pet sounds up. first. Get your feet wet. You know what I mean. Like get a little, get get into it. You can listen to the earlier, earlier stuff too. That's fun. I mean, it's fun. You know what I mean. It's right. fun music. Um, but this, but pet sounds, and then this is really where it's. I like almost have like a, a hard time, into hard music. time, like saying what I think about it because it's like it, I love it so much. It's like it, it's just yeah, so yeah. it plays so well for me. Yeah. But um, like Mike was a Beach Boys hater for a long time. Yeah. And uh, did not like this record. And then I had like a month where it was like, that's all I listened to. <laughs> yeah. It was it, just Beach Boys. Was Pet Sounds and Smile. And Smiley Smile and... Um, yeah, because... Uh, what's the one with the with the cover? Is it Wild Honey? No, not Wild Honey. That's uh, a good record, too. The one... Uh, isn't it the... What's that? It's that famous picture, the Native American... Oh, surfs up. That's surf's that's a up. bit later. I think that's nineteen seventy one yeah, yeah. or two. But just this, just to speak to, yeah, those were like so. Those were the albums that I was listening to. I didn't really go like far back. I didn't go into like Surfer Girl stuff, you know. But, right. So um, if you do only know the Beach Boys for like Surfer Girl or like Little Deuce Coop or you know Surfing USA, um, the Beach Boys evolved out of that, and they really were on the cutting edge of uh, how music was recorded, yeah. how music was being made and structured. All that stuff. Uh, Smile plays like one giant. It loops into the next thing. It's kind of got the first section I would describe as kind of like a trip through America. Right. So a musical, a musical sonic trip through America, Um, you know, kind of has 
um, you know, he does riffs on My Only Sunshine. Uh, the motifs for the songs yeah. really blend into each other. Um, and then you kind of get, you know, into like spiritual awakening and what to do with that. And, you know, it's about like living healthy and a good life. And yeah. there's a lot of that in there. I think there's a lot of stuff for children in here. A lot of like uh, innocence, like the the music is so childlike and innocent. It's it's yeah. beautiful. Like it it's like uh, it's so pure for for what it is. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it is. It's like so pure and of heart, and it really is to make you smile. And I think if you go into that thinking like, well, this album's gonna make me smile, I think you're going to. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's just, yeah. I mean, what's in, what's crazy about it is like he in the song, uh, vegetables. Yeah, like there's literally recordings of people like ch- chewing chomping and celery. chomping, yeah, celery and carrots and stuff like that. Oh like, so God. it's there's stuff like that in there, but yeah, I it love was the, crazy how much it just the lyrics make me laugh. Like in, in vegetables, like uh, I I threw away the candy bar and I ate the wrapper when they told me what I did. I fell over with laughter. Like it's just yeah. silly stuff like that, or like. I tried to kick the ball, but my tenny flew right off. Like I'm red as a beat because I'm so embarrassed. Like it's yeah. just so silly and like funny. And but then you have masterful songs on this album too. Um, the song "Surfs Up" is probably like it's such a masterpiece yeah. of music. Um, the is that it's either the second side or the third side of the record. I believe it's the second side. It really motifs on um, this uh, I, riff idea of uh, "Child is the Father of the Man." Yep. Um, oh, yeah, yep. into um, the climax of the record, which is, I, bl- I would say, Surf's Up, in you know, into Good Vibrations afterwards. But Surf's Up is just such a masterful song. Um, the falsetto is amazing. Uh, lyrics by Van Dyke's Park and Brian Wilson. Uh, you know, it really is. When I listen to it, I think that song is about a spiritual awakening, a finding of, of uh, some kind of higher power. Um, yeah. and, and the song just, it, it, it's just so... I mean, it's brought me to tears before. I'm not ashamed to say it. Like, I really am touched by the song. And, uh, yeah, Beach Boys, Smile, I don't think it's for everybody at first. But um, if it is for you, be, be prepared to, to get obsessed uh, with the genius that is Brian Wilson. Because I will, I, I don't lay that one down often, but Brian Wilson was uh, was touching stars. Oh, you know? yeah. that That's what I'm saying. It was like I lost a whole month, man, because I was just so, like... Just in it, you know what I mean? Because uh, I mean, you think like let's talk to okay, like let's talk about because I you know I can I get more like feely with the album because I'm so personal with it, but like um, comparatively around the Sgt. Pepper's argument, this album is like so like just the way it's structured is so much more, and we think of Sgt. Pepper's as being such a mature piece of the era. Yeah, Smile is like like so. I th- smile so like just le- and I we were saying yeah. like childlike, but at the same time, like it's like it's taking like like I don't even know how would you describe it like almost like like the structure of the whole thing is so well. What um, I, I think comparatively to to the to uh, Sergeant Pepper's, it's just this. It takes it so much further, and yes. I don't I don't mean yes. that, and I don't mean that in the way that's just like 
You know why, man? Further this in the is... way that yes takes it further. No, I'm saying is... it further in the way of just being like, oh, this is how music, this can, is different music. Can I, can I say why? Because, okay, Sgt. Pepper's is great, and it's one of my favorite records. But, yeah, it's but like Good Morning on there, it's kind of like a nonsensy lyrical song. Good yeah. morning, good morning. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it's nonsense, right? Because he kind of wrote, like, if you ever look it up, I think he wrote it from like a, a serial commercial or something, right? Like he, okay. Right. So everything on Smile is written with purpose. So think about it like that, like really hard. I'm not saying that the Beatles were purposeless. They had purpose and they were great. But Brian Wilson was writing with spiritual intensity at every song level. He has described this as his teenage symphony to God. Mm-hmm. Like that's some that's some heavy stuff. So if you're laying down with that kind of concept on here, and we all know how serious Brian Wilson took this record because it never was released in its time because he had a mental breakdown trying to construct it. It was released fully uh, in this form that I have here in 2011, and and you know the the intensity of the music is is what sets it apart from Sgt. Pepper's. It is what sets it apart from Odyssey Oracle. It is what sets it apart yeah. from uh, even like Pet Sounds. Like Pet Sounds is so intense and it has touches of that the the spiritual in there. But for me, when I listen to Smile. That's the level it's at, it, and that's what it hums with and vibrates with me at. It's yeah. so intentioned um, in that vein that it has a, such a cohesive statement, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of seriousness. It's a lot of uh, beauty. Um, you know, yeah. Check the, it out. Yeah, and because and for me, that my biggest my biggest hang up with the Beach Boys was the vocals, because it's very. Like that thing, and I always associated Beach Boys with that. But listen, you uh, can get if that is your hang up with the Beach Boys. The opening get on o- this, get over it because the opening our prayer, do, right? The yeah. vocal on that, oh, haunting. Cre- the, the, listen, just, and then it goes into Heroes and Villains. It's like our prayer. That song, the the opening on Smile is. If you listen to it, right? Uh, think about when you. I suggest the listener of this podcast. Listen to Our Prayer, the song by the Beach Boys, and think about a man, Brian Wilson, sitting and constructing that in his head. Yeah. And then telling somebody, this is how this goes. Now, if you have ever tried to write a song on the guitar or write a melody of vocal, and then you know how hard it is, and then go listen to Brian Wilson's Our Prayer from by the Beach Boys, you know. Yeah. But, um, it is constructed in a way that makes you question like how somebody could figure it out it's that it's 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 on it's, it's mozart level man yeah it's pull, That's it's why. pulling out of like the ether of uh, of greatness and and it's in a pop band yes and that's why it's so cool check it out yeah everybody should yeah absolutely yeah, that beginning, man, that could be, yeah. That's uh, like, yeah, and then like, Heroes and Villains is like, and then Heroes and Villains is so fun and corny at the same yeah. time. I mean, I, we but, could, but I he could, gives you that little break, too. I could talk about this record forever. It gets like, yeah, the motifs it gets a on scary, it. scary, you know. And it's it gets, proggy, too, because it takes the motifs and the theme and applies yeah. it to other places. And it's 1967. Right, and I mean, if you're taking it, like, as, or 66, even, most yeah. of it. And like the the cool that's where I I think my eyes popped out of my head when I learned what year it was happening. I'm like, what? Because I don't associate that. I don't associate that sort of a and this sound record with it. that year. Like, or at least I didn't beforehand. Right. 
You know, I don't know. It just it blew my mind that it was like 66. And have you ever heard like the, the motif at the end of Heroes and Villains like that's orchestrated like the. Yeah. They have oh, like yeah. the full orchestration going. Yeah. It's cool because like you'll hear. OK, so I mean, we're still talking about it. So you have heroes and villains, right? And it's uh, structured, but it's pieced out like uh, if you've ever heard the song Good Vibrations, how that has different recording pieces mixed right. together. And that's how you get that cool, awesome original sound. This has the theme and a riff and they play it like eight different ways. Sometimes it's just a piano. Sometimes it's a full band. Sometimes it's just a horn section or something. Sometimes it's the full orchestra. Right. Right. And, and then sometimes it's just the vocals and then this and then that. And then things, pieces are dropping out and dropping in and you find something new every time. And even like, uh, to talk about like the theme of the record, if that's like throwing people off too, like heroes and villains is the story of America in a lot of people's eyes. And I right. think we can still see that today. Um, and then you have it like take like, you know, you are my only sunshine. You have cabin essence, you know, you have like different um, thoughts about uh, what America is. And, you know, you are my only sunshine being a great American folk song. And yep. uh, the melancholy of that lyric, too, plays into the theme of good and evil and what uh, the story of America is. And then it kind of births into the story of like what the human experience is. And right. Um, that's why I think this record is so ahead of its time. And I listened to it and it brought me into such a better place and mood. And it's just like a mood lifter for me. And that's the power mm. of music, you know? Yeah. So yeah, anyway, man. Beach Boy Smile. Like, I mean, I think we just did a chunky bit on that, but you know. It's, but it's um, worth talking about. And the Beach Boys episode is inevitable. It'll, it'll, it'll come soon. I mean, I could talk brian wilson yeah. all day every yeah, day yeah. he's just one the beach boys are, are are one of my favorite bands too michael because uh after uh pet sounds uh, for even modern listeners um they drop out and don't really listen to anything after a lot of people kind of dig the smile stuff but um they're they're kind of their their argument is the beach boys lost their touch and there's a lot of great beach boys albums that are kind of getting more of their praise in their day now mm -hmm. but um as a beach boys fan for at least like a good eight ten years going on now uh i've discovered that a lot of people are are missing out on great albums like you know wild honey and sunflower and surfs up and yeah you know stuff like that so you know so yeah. just putting it out there beach boys guys yeah Beach Boys. Go to the beach. Go to the beach. Go swimming. <laughs> Go swimming. You got anything else you kind of want to throw my way, Mike? Or you kind of, you kind of, you want, you want to hang it up on the Beach Boys? Um, yeah, we can hang it up on the Beach Boys. I did a little Electric Flag. Oh, Electric Flag. I hate Electric Flag's uh, studio albums. I yeah, think they're, they're terrible. This uh, is cool. This who's 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 in before. Electric Flag, Mike? Uh, um, one of my favorite drummers. I know that. Buddy Miles. And uh, one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Mike Bloomfield. Who of, doesn't? I feel like of. Uh, oh well, Paul. He was in Paul Butterfield. Paul, Paul Butterfield blues band. Yeah, uh, and then he did play with Dylan for a hot second too. Yes, uh, Dylan's first electric band. Uh, yes, Newport. Um, cool album. It was like a record store day release. Uh, Live from California, sixty-seven, sixty-eight. The um, electric flag are kind of uh, in the San Francisco scene. Yeah, but the thing is, is you have Mike Bloomfield, who is a he's a Chicago yes. blues you know guitar player and. Uh, famously, initially played a Telecaster, moved into a Gold Top Les Paul. The Electric Flag are one of the first bands too to try to take rock and roll and soul, like your uh, chocolate and peanut butter, to mix it together. Yeah. Um, I I said with Mike, the studio albums, like I think you find too. Uh, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I don't like any of them. I think they're kind of garbage. But this live release I've heard is really great. Uh, you got Buddy Miles laying down that funky, funky drumming. 
and then you get some of the best you know electric guitar playing you'll ever hear in your life oh yeah and mike bloomfield does he has his own little signature too that's what's so great about listening to him the, the cool thing about on one end, you're just like, oh, they all played Les Pauls back then, you know? But the cool thing about the fact, like, we talked about Peter Green, we've talked about Eric Clapton, we've talked about Jimmy Page. They all sound different. Is that, yeah, and they all play the same guitar. So it's cool because you can definitely see developments of different types of styles. And like we've said before on the podcast where, you know, the other guys came up mostly in uh, England where Mike Bloomfield was actually from Chicago. Yeah. So he spent time in these He's got those clubs. good, like, stingy stingy licks kind yeah. of thing yeah 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 absolutely very much like you know feels american but um yeah so disc one is live at the whiskey a go-go uh in 67 september of 67 um and then the other record is at the carousel ballroom in san francisco may 18th of 68 and if you don't know to uh, not to uh, interrupt you but uh buddy miles the drummer for the span the electric flag would end up playing with Jimi hendrix on the uh famous oh, yeah. hendrix album for yep. Capitol records band of gypsies band of gypsies yeah um, great lineup, cool, cool, fun thing. I would definitely recommend uh, to listen to this rather than the studio albums. I think Luke agrees with me on that. Yep, live um, electric flag. You know they do some cool stuff on here. Uh, they do. If you're into uh, guitar shredding and like funky stuff, uh, psychedelic y, uh, the electric flag is for you. Yeah, and Buddy Miles um, drumming as well is very much not in the sort of uh like what would fat you think? Like, style i would call it like he's got like right the, he's got the he's got has like the, the very powerful kind of like soul way of drumming right. which uh f you know we're getting off track here but like when he went to go play with Jimi hendrix in contrast to say mitch mitchell who was very much more jazz rooted and right. kind of looser playing uh buddy miles was a powerhouse backbeat yeah 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 so definitely uh, recommend it the electric flag live dig it dig it uh i'm gonna throw one out that i used to listen to a lot in about like right when i was out of high school um uh you know if you've heard of the band bright eyes their singer connor oberst yep. uh i don't stand by everything i used to listen to back in the day like i don't dig every bright eyes record now it's not like something i want to listen to all the time it's a bit sad yeah um and i'm not always uh sad as i was right when I, we were 18 and 19 and 20 uh you know you know, you listen to your Elliot Smith. So everybody has their uh, generation. I I, right. I just happen to be listening to Elliot Smith and Connor Roberts at the same time. So um, what we have here is uh, I bought this record. It's a solo album for that singer Connor Oberst. Um, um, it's his first solo album. I believe it's on Merge Records. Uh, it's self-titled. Um, the band would end up being called the Mystic Valley Band. Um, and I really do think this record holds up. This is probably like one of the only Conor Oberst things that I'm like super, what year? super stand behind. I think this is like 2008, 2010, somewhere oh, around okay. there. Okay. Um, it is a it is a great record. It's uh, pretty mature. It has some great songs that have aged quite well. Um, I really like um, uh, le uh, le lenders of the temple or lenders in the temple. Sorry, really like that song. Get well cards is good. I really every song on here is great. It's kind of like a laid back feel. There's some uh, maybe uh, like the last song, uh, "Milk Thistle," is kind of like a yeah, um, not, not I wouldn't say dirty. It's a, it's a good like um, it's an acoustic song. It's got a lot of feeling in it. It's sad, but um, not every song on here is sad. There's a lot of like good like good time rock and roll on here. Yeah. Um, if you aren't really like into Connor Oberst or you, you uh, like kind of have a preconceived notion about him that his music is mostly sad, I would listen to this one. Uh, for fans of I would say uh, some Jack White stuff. 
Okay. Um, okay. Cause it kind of has that, like that kind of 2010. It's, it's a great band. Um, that's together here. Um, and I really think that like, this is like, uh, one of the pinnacles of like his, his sound at the time. And, mm. It's uh, it still holds up strong. So yeah, Connor Oberst, uh, first solo record on Merge. I think it's two thousand eight or two thousand ten, something like that. Okay. So uh, check it out. Right on. Uh, I'd say the only other album that I listened to, I actually don't have the album itself, <laughs> but I have another album by the same band. So uh, we, I don't think we've even touched on Ty Siegel at all on the podcast. Oh yet. no, we are big fans. Um, but yeah, so he had another band real quick on the side called Fuzz uh, around like the early 2010s. Like this, uh, the first album was 2013, and I think the second album was probably oh, so shortly you, thereafter. You were, you were looking for that hard rock buzz this week. I can see you were listening to Pentagram, you were listening to Fuzz. Yeah, yeah, I was. That's that's kind of what I was like. All right, let me set. I was trying to think of like what kind of a mood to set for myself for the week. Fuzz, you know? I, I would describe them as like uh kind of like power metal-y but also like stoner rocky yeah right yeah yeah yeah. that well i think listening to like that pentagram album this is kind of like a logical sort of like next right to listen so fuzz uh, that's more modern say that's more ty siegel fronts his own band plays guitar sings writes the songs but um, crazy prolific right but he's the drummer in this in this outfit um fuzz so that's pretty cool so that's like a different thing about that and And he's uh, not singing no uh, they, I think they have two records out, and they're both really good. I think he does some vocals on it. I'm not sure. Does he? Um, but yeah, so uh, they got two records out. I've listened to them before. Uh, they're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, a bit heavy though. They, yeah, they're, they're heavy. So heavy. Yeah, they're heavy. So it's not something I'm I'm putting on like because you know guys like I just gushed about like the Beach Boys and Connor Oberst. So, like, <laughs> right, right. I mean, I do love. I I kick out the jams. Everyone, don't get it twisted. But yeah. uh, fuzz is fuzz is great. So the, I believe the guitar tones on that were. Oh, amazing. Like ass kicking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This one. And then so uh, now I own the first one. This is the one that I spin mostly if I spin fuzz. I don't own the second one. So I was streaming the second one over the past couple of days. Do you? Yeah. The black and white one. Yeah. 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 I got that. It's just called two. Right. So the first fuzz album, it's it's just self-titled and it's got like this sort of like dragon looking thing on the front. And then uh, that reminds me of the thing from uh Oh, like, never-ending story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it looks like the thing from the never-ending story. If it like uh, smoked DMT. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, but the, sec- the second the second album is the one that I've I've I listened mostly to this weekend. Yeah, man, I dig it. It's fun. It's cool. It's kind of like, you know. Uh, we use this term, uh, but we say it very, very lovingly, like just loud, dumb, and fun. You know, fun. Yeah, and hard. You know, and it is, man. It's great. It's just, it's a great. It's just a great. You know, we. Ty Siegel's great too. If you're into, yeah, like, his solo stuff. If you're is into, very like, good. okay, guys, like, uh, oh, so let's talk. I Ty Siegel's pretty, uh, pretty known at this point, but um, I'm gonna like try to maybe bring it back. So if you're into like the White Stripes kind of thing, yeah, and you're into like the Third Man scene, and you kind of want to branch out musically. Uh, a little bit in kind of something that's like maybe like a little less known, but like in that vein. Yeah. I think Ty Siegel's um, kind of gang of uh, those kind of bands. Oh yeah. That hang around. Likewise, I would say like the like the Infinity Cat. Artists. Uh yeah, you got uh, you know Jeff I mean? the Brotherhood, another great band in that kind of Diary thing. Of Planet. Yeah. Uh, well, those are also Nashville bands. So mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah, like if you're looking to kind of branch out from like a Jack, if you're in the Jack White and you kind of want other music that sounds like that, but isn't that uh, Ty Siegel is really cool, really original, uh, great yeah. sounding, ex- incredibly pr- uh, prolific, releases a lot of great, great records. Yeah, I so I would highly recommend that. 
Um, and then even like if you are into like a record label that like puts out great bands that are like that too, uh, that's more like uh, underground and kind of has, uh, you know, should should get your business if you're into that kind of music is uh, Castle Face Records. Okay. Uh, the OCs are on that oh, record yeah, label. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're, you know, kind of hang around the Ty Siegel world in my mind. Um, yeah. Like yeah. Burger Records. Those oh, kinds oh of labels. bro. Yeah, someone didn't read the news. What? Oh, Burger Records got me too, bro. What? What? Yeah. Well. Well. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. In this light is a of not, to me. Yeah. In light yeah. of making any kind of uh, comments, you know, that we don't know about on the air. Yeah, uh, we're not. Educa- I'm not. I don't. I don't. You know, no. But know um, facts. actually, some some bad things happened with uh, Burger Records. They got me too. Oh, um, no way. A lot of people are kind of taking uh, some well deserved responsibility for what was going on gotcha. over there. And gotcha. uh, I suggest everybody read up about uh, what the maybe the women have said and uh, the things that are, need to be done and move forward. But yeah. um. That organization has had some bands that I have listened to that were good. Um, yeah, because wasn't King more, Tough on Burger Records? Yes, uh, a bit more. Like, uh, at one point, I think they released kind of like one album, but he is more of a sub-pop guy. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Okay. But, um, yeah, it's like uh, there was a lot of drama over there. But um, Burger Records was kind of, if you were into those releases, was kind of more, I would say, on the pop-punky side of like what was going okay. on. Right, right. But um, if you're definitely into like Jack White's kind of like, uh, vibe of that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely check yeah, out yeah, Ty yeah. Siegel. Definitely check out the OCs. Um, they're. Like, I was just listening to the OCs the other day. Actually, oh, too. so yeah. good. I, 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 and I'm not saying like, like uh, I'm not saying like guys like they are Jack White. I'm saying like um, if you are into if you, that, if your palate, includes yeah, like that, okay, so you know, like your I know, could I know, also include this. Yeah, like I, I know a lot of people that are into like the Black Keys and like the White Stripes, and because those are like accessible um, mainstream rock bands, right? And uh, right. it's hard to to dig further, right? It's hard. It's yeah, you have to work. Yeah, yeah. So that's why we're here. It takes effort. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna tell you like if you like the Black Keys and you like that you're definitely gonna like bands like uh i would say like jeff the brotherhood and ty siegel and you know all that stuff and these bands are releasing great records yeah all the time especially ty siegel i mean like freedom goblin from a couple years ago i didn't listen to his last one yet that was innovative with having no guitars on it which is super cool i mean i'll say this i think that some of the guys in these bands some of the guys in these bands guys and gals in these bands like we when we think about like okay oh man well like you know Peter Green just died you know Eric Clapton it's, it's gonna happen Jimmy Page so in other words these musicians that we kind of like revere as being like some of the greatest to do it we think to ourselves well well who who what's happening currently that I think that in 30, 40 years we'll Dude, look Ty, back on Ty and Siegel. be like oh that he's the guy you know what I mean Ty Siegel's like one of the most magic guys and it's so yeah. fun too and, the and OC- he releases like two albums a year that's why it's so fun it's too crazy. man like the OCs are doing that too they're just releasing album after album after album and yeah. you're just like yes 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 it's so yeah. fun and even guys like sometimes too like I told you I didn't buy the last Ty Siegel one that came out if I see it in a record store I'm probably gonna pick it up yeah because I you know what I mean it, it's one of those where you always know it'll be something it, good like you'll enjoy dude, it I, I think I counted the other day I think I had like ni- like I had like uh, like fifteen or like fourteen Ty Siegel records, something yeah. like that. Like I didn't even know it was crazy. It happened right, so right. fast. Well, yeah, well, but <laughs> because that's the thing though. It's and like over a, the course of the last ten years, he's right. recorded, he's re- released like two albums a year. Uh, so we're talking about like how cool he is. I'm gonna throw out some records that I think are cool. Uh, Freedom Freedom Goblin uh, was cool. Uh, uh, Manipulator is a great album to yeah, start with. Yeah, we have with. that one. Um, 
uh, Emotional Mugger. Oh my God, I love that one. Emotional Mugger had uh, King Tough on it too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you uh, the bands are talking about like uh, King Tough is another one. We'll I'll throw up there to listen to. Yeah. Fuzzy, awesome modern guitar fun. music. The last his last album was a lot of fun. It was yeah. Cool. The other it had like some more dancier stuff in there. Yeah, it was um, cool. I loved it. That was yeah. Released on Sub Pop Records, King Tough. Uh, me and Mike also first fell in love with him with his album Black Moon Spell, which yeah. is that, that doomy awesome do, song. Do, 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 uh, but King Tough has like a lot of like pop, poppy, uh, poppy, more garage rocky, yeah, like stuff. Uh, but still, just some like fun, super fun, fun like, wizardy lyrics yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and uh, it, yeah, it feels uh, the last album too. What's cool is it feels very like California. Yeah, but it almost feels very California and like the California rap kind of way, even though it's not rap music. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Do you know what I'm saying? It, yeah. it, there's like that kind of like a California vibe because you have like the San Francisco flower child California sound, but then you also have like the because it's kind of got some like hip hop beats. Yeah, on it. it's kind of yeah, got yeah, like yeah. the it's kind of got like the Dr. Dre yeah. like vibe to it, even though it's rock music. You know? Yeah. So check that out. That's on Sub Pop Records. Yeah, King very Tough. cool. Uh, we I I'm a fan of all his records. He's a lot of fun. There's a giant picture of him in my living room. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's pretty cool. But um yeah. yeah, so like modern, you know, me and Mike like we talk about old school music, but we're definitely into more modern music and uh yeah. I think that's the reason too like we kind of wanted to give you like a a free form today cuz it kind of lets us like talk about like maybe some of the more modern stuff that we do listen to. Yeah, cuz we um, don't really talk about the modern stuff that we listen yeah, to like, that, uh, that that much. I mean, I I threw out this band a couple weeks ago, but another band on Sub Pop that's new that I really like is uh, a band called Bully. Um and uh they are a great band that great like uh fronted uh vocals are like screamy and awesome yeah. and like uh, uh it, they rock in like a 90s way um you know kind of like whole for a new generation but mm-hmm. um but not like that at all like way better yeah. <laughs> um yeah. way better it's just that kind of like that anger um you know what i mean and yeah, yeah. i love the way it rocks and that's another cool band on sub pop um yeah you know i mean we talked about today you said it and you're like, yeah, we ended up. Uh, you were like, Chelsea and I found, like, got that Billie Eilish. Oh, yeah, I bought a Billie album. Eilish record, and I love it. I think yeah, that's right. So cool. Listen, that, but that's like, what I'm that's saying. That's a like, great pop record, too, and that's modern right. music, and that, like, rocks for me kind of like rock music does. I don't know why. Uh, it might be there's just an her edge. attitude. There's a, yeah. uh, but her lyrics are, like, funny and shit, and they make me laugh. Yeah. And, like, the beat was cool. It played nice with my sub. Yeah, uh, we got that glow in the dark uh, edition. <laughs> so whatever nice, that is, nice. yeah, it was pretty fun. But that's like, yeah, we. But uh, I like that yeah. too, man. Because like, uh, like you know, Chelsea, my girlfriend, she'll like uh, make me listen to maybe something that's more poppy that would just not be on my radar. And right. I like Billie Eilish. Like, I really like that. Yeah. Uh, also, if you're into her too, I really think she's like quite uh, in a, like uh, she she's a person with a lot of integrity and like knows I think who she is. Or yeah. Even if she's not, she's like uh, guarded, and I I like that. I don't know. She yeah, she yeah. seems like a really cool, down to earth kind of person. And uh, her Rolling Stone article is wicked, a really good read. Yeah, I'm a rock fan. I'm I'm gonna say her music is great, man. I don't care. Yeah, it was cool. I liked it. Well, I, I dug it. That's like uh, Jade, my wife. Uh, she that, dude, those Lizzo records. Yeah, that you're talk about. I love I was... Lizzo too. Dude. Like those. <sighs> Those rock for me so like, good, like man. like, and that's not that's not necessarily something that I would. But also, to, but but, yeah, but man, we're coming from the school too, Rand, where we like like Shaka Khan and like Casey and the Sunshine, right, and, right, uh, right. And P Funk. So if like it's got a good beat in James Brown and yeah. you know Betty David, like and all, all those influences stuff. are in. Yeah. in that stuff too. You, you know what I mean? But that's her, what I'm saying. Material. There's a lot of cool like influence, but new, but a new style and a new flavor and a new take, and that yeah. you know I, I dig that man. Like yeah. she's got some. She's got some bangers. I did. Yeah. Hell yeah. 
Uh, anyway, all right. Well, we're gonna wrap been, it up. That, been, that was it's been a while. That was uh, the mad. Ra- it's that, been this a is, while. The, oh my god, <laughs> this has been the mad ramblings of uh, Mike and Luke. Yeah. This is if listen. If there was no microphone, this is literally the conversation you would have heard me and my cat if we were sitting <laughs> yeah. in the room together. So. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, but yeah. Well, so thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Those of you who are listening, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still listening. <laughs> you are still. Li- are you there? It's me, Mike. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah, I know that was that was bad. But anyway, yeah. We, thanks again, guys, for listening. Uh, uh, we'll catch you next week. We have some really fun stuff planned. Do we for the future? Oh yeah, we do. Yeah, we have some cool stuff uh, kind of in the works and the plans. This is my life. Mike just takes takes me along for the ride. Yeah, I'm guys. just like Luke. Hop in, get in, loser. It's not always great. <laughs> We're making a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've been Mike. Uh, I I guess I've been Luke. He's been Luke. He's been the best Luke he can be. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you. Some Winnie the Pooh shit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening. We love you guys. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Make sure to share, like, and subscribe to the Get in the Garage podcast, now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, and a bunch more. Uh, You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or email us directly at getinthegaragepodcast at gmail.com for any questions or topics you might like to hear us cover. Thanks again, guys. See you next time. Get in the garage.